Welcome to the Oxness live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and I do appreciate you as ever for tuning on in, for watching, for subscribing, for hitting the like button, doing all you do to help this channel grow and make this thing the most funnest thing that I get to do in my life. I love it here. So we're back at it again today, and we've got some things to turn over, of course, at the forefront. I don't have to tell you. You saw it in the thumbnail. We're going to be looking at some of the mutants in this draft, some of the smoke show freak shows that are out there in this draft. There are not many, I will say. As I've often said about this particular draft, it is not one that necessarily makes you feel great about the level of talent, its depth, but there is some sparkling here and there. Okay, there is some of that still level of uh, intrigue within this, and there is still talent to be had. Um, and a lot of these guys I'm going to be looking at with this list of guys that we're going to kind of go through are also guys for the most part who I think would be potential Seattle Seahawks targets. Maybe not always at the front of the list as, as far as what they would look for ideally to their type, because the Seahawks do have a type, which we'll be talking about looking at some of these guys, but absolutely guys that I think would also maybe be on their radar just in general terms or, you know, have some Seahawky kind of feel to them, you know, that innate thing that you can't quite describe. We have a couple of quick little bits of news I want to talk about at the start The start of this just before we get into that is we do have a little bit of NFL news coming from more of a, a national perspective on this as much as anything else. And that's that we've had two new kind of rule changes coming down that I think do impact our Seahawks that we have to talk a little bit at the top of the show here. First being that we're no longer going to get a cascading effect of cuts through the end of preseason anymore. You know, used to be through preseason, teams could slowly kind of pare down their rosters as they went through the preseason games to, to finally get to that final roster cut where then the last of the guys would go off uh, and then there'd be a mad scramble a little bit at the end, that just to a degree. But you had a little bit of a, it, it was sort of tempered because guys were getting released throughout the preseason process. Now what's going to happen instead is that all of the cuts are going to come at once at the very end of training camp and very basically like right after about the last preseason game, you're going to get the full rosters cut from the 90 to the 50 plus, which means that there is going to be absolute positive chaos when it comes to that period of time, right before the start of the season. I don't know what is the right strategy to work off of that. I don't know what Schneider is going to do. I don't know if this helps or hurts him. It, as I said, in, in chaos, it affects everybody in that way where it just makes it kind of unpredictable and it's going to be wild to watch because there will be so many names getting the markets. There'll be so many teams probably trying to take advantage of this um, uh, and going this route. And you're going to see a lot of player movement. You know, I think I've read there are over a thousand some players, particularly that can be then released in one given day in the NFL. That's, that's the equivalent of if you got one of those dams, you know, where they're just slowly releasing the water to where they've decided to, I got that dam in China where they just released all of them at once. And it's just, that's going to be kind of the equivalency, I think, as it comes up to this next year. And it'll be kind of interesting to see how it impacts the Hawks and their team building approach at that time and what they choose to do. But uh, boy, that'll be a wild, wild cut down day as far as figuring out what is what and which is which and who's going where. The other story that broke that I think is one that's not one that I like seeing as far as the NFL goes is that they're going to open more of an ability to have multiple Thursday night games for teams. We are already a team that, historically speaking, has to travel more than any other NFL team in, in, in the league by usually quite a wide margin, especially when they're throwing us on those trips to Germany, huh? <laughs> yeah. So now on top of flying all around, on top of our 10 a.m. games that the NFL likes to litter our schedule with, 
you now have the potential of two Thursday night games on top of now already having the extra game that the NFL has created over the course of a season. Uh, this is really going to be taxing on these players' bodies. And again, if the NFL is not choosing to um, expand their rosters, it's a little bit you know, of a, a problematic issue that come into play where teams get decimated and happen multiple times going through this process in a given season unless they're setting up some way for these guys to be protected. And maybe it's a guaranteed extra bye week or whatever they're going to choose to do. But on the surface of it, again, it's they're trying to make these Thursday night games a thing. And to me, it's you just got to schedule a game and hope it's a good one. And if it's not even then, I'm, I still don't know if people have fully wrapped their head around wanting Thursday night games. That it's Thursday, you know, Sunday with your morning, your afternoon, and your evenings kind of with the Monday night games kind of good enough. Uh, but the NFL is trying to, you know, steer harder into this, and they didn't like the uh, schedule of games that they got because the the teams kind of sucked through and the games kind of sucked through, so they want to have a little bit more of a, a choice with, with flexing, I guess. But uh, I I sure don't I'm sure not a fan of it because your team's already taxed with all the mileage that they have to go out there and fly around with. They're already taxed with the 10 a.m. start times. Now you're going to tax us with an extra uh, an extra Thursday night game, which the players speak very, very candidly up and down universally that those games suck. Your body's not ready yet. Your body hasn't recovered yet. So I, it's uh, interesting on that part of it where these uh, will go in these rule changes and how they affect things. But we're here today to talk a little bit more about the draft. So let's turn our mind to that. We'll see how those rule changes do affect our Hawks. And today, as I said at the top of the show, we want to get into some of the mutants in this draft, some of those guys that are different. And I would certainly want to put in some quantifiable points here as to what I'm considering a freak or a mutant, because we all have our, our differences, right? Some people are telekinesis people, right? Some people are fire starter people. We all got our, our different, like where your, your line is of what makes a mutant. For me, what makes a mutant in this particular draft is going to be some size freakishness combined with the physical, the, the athletic profile, speed, quickness, length. You know, I, it's not going to be something that I can give you of here's a checklist of something that will make it a, to what that that is as a freak. But I think it's one of those ones that is another one of those you kind of know you when you see it and how they sort of separate from the rest that there's not one guy built kind of like this guy, even within this class or in, within maybe even recent classes that there's a there's a bit of an outlier to them. Some of these guys are going to be highly rated. Some of these guys are going to be you know, very, very prime. But other parts of these guys will be maybe second, third round, or maybe even below that, just to a tiny degree. So there's a varying level. Most of these guys, I think, are going to be taken in the first three rounds. Most of these guys are also very good football players. And again, I think that they do fit to the Seahawk type. So let's get this kicked off. Let's get it kicked off. And we do have a bit of a short show today because I have a Brendan show at 7 o'clock tonight. So we'll be going just a couple hours today. That's my short show for you. And the first guy that we're going to kick this off with is a, a guy that just finished his pro day. And he had one hell of a pro day at that where he confirmed a lot of what you saw on tape with him. And that man's name is Israel Abanakanda. I'm going to have to learn to say his name if I like him so much, right? This is a kid who's 5'11", 215. He looks like he rolls 215 on the field. That looks like the weight he carries. And he's, notice, he's noticeably more explosive and faster than anybody else on the football field when you watch the tape. He's not a creative runner. He's not a dancer. He's not, a, uh, he's not out there to, to be pretty with it. He's going to stick his foot in the ground and he's going to go. And he's going to go very, very fast. Now, the 40 time ranged in this day with what people were saying they were clocking him in at, but we heard anywhere on his pro day from a 4 to 7, 
Yes, you heard that right, 427, all the way up to a 4-4. And what they were saying, it was about his variance on the pro day that he went out there and ran. 128-inch broad jump, 41-inch vertical leap. All plus-plus numbers for this kid. Again, rocking that 5'11", 215. You can show me Devin R. Chain in this draft. You can show me Jameer Gibbs in this draft. But you're showing me guys at times that are 180, 190 pounds. This is a kid carrying 215, running that sub 4.3 speed. So he gives you a little bit of the ideal prototype and build for what you look for in an NFL running back. And and more importantly, it fits to what you see on the tape, where he is that fast. He is that quick and also as well. And if you're looking for a guy now that I think with this pro day and what you see on tape from him, might be pushing his way up into now the second round here. I think that you could probably firmly establish that Israel is going to get there. He doesn't have the six foot, six one, six two type thing going on here, but the speed, of course, is something that separates him. And you see also the explosion there in those numbers that again fits in accordance with what we have seen on tape out of this guy and, and how he is uh, how he's played in the past. All right, next guy up will be Darnell Washington. You can see him here on my overhead shot making the Odell Beckham fingertip catch that he made out at the combine. Go check that clip out if you have not had a chance to check it out because this guy is, of course, one of the most impressive players in this draft from a physical profile and also from his uh, what he provides as an NFL player and the unique skill set that he brings to the forefront. Six foot seven, 264 pounds, running a 4640. And not only that, it, the 4640 is pretty impressive for that size, but what's really impressive is the 157 10-yard split at that size. When you have a guy that's 6'7", 260 at this point, you think, okay, well, maybe it'll be about a 17, 174-ish 10-yard split. But with tight ends, you really want that burst off the line because you want them to be able to create some of that really quick separation. Uh, Noah Fant, for instance, on our roster, had a is this is one of the ways that he creates the separations quickly in the routes the way he does is that you have that burst. It's not the speed necessarily always. It's that burst you're looking for at the tight ends because you're not always having them run the nine routes up the seam or post routes, right? It's a lot of, you know, usually short stuff. You want them getting up and getting set sort of into their route. Uh, he can do that. He showed you at those times. 123-inch uh, broad jump, but then he also came in with 34 and 3-8-inch long arms. So the physical, the physical freak show part of this fits to the field part of this when you watch the tape and that he gives you the full well-rounded tight end and not only that he really does give you a sixth offensive lineman in the field in the way he blocks it's like having another tackle out there basically and when he gets up the field he runs good enough routes he's got great see with that arm length you can throw it a huge catch radius to reach out there and grab to i mean look at the picture right here thing must be about 13 feet in the air right there so he can go up and get it with anybody as well on top of that. The, the the kid is a blocker, is tenacious and mean. He's got a mentality to him on top of all this. He's, again, one I think one of those, those kind of key unsung, I don't want to call them heroes, but key unsung parts for this Georgia team that helped them get this these last couple of national titles. And so a good player would love to be able to get him. I think he's definitely sneak, snuck his way here into the first round. But if you ever saw Seattle move on from Darnell, don't know uh, Darnell. If you saw him move on from Noah Fant, then I would think that Darnell Washington would be a guy that they would have keenly in their target signs. You know, Carroll would love him for the run blocking he would provide, um, and uh, Schneider would certainly love him for being just the all-around player he is and the physical behemoth that he is. We got a couple of those guys here up, uh, coming up as well, and he is certainly one of them. Adetwame Adaware, out of Northwestern. 
Six foot two, 282 pounds, which of course in itself is not stunning, stunning freakishness. But he did run a 4.640 and a 1.57, uh, or sorry, excuse me, 4.4940 and a 1.61 10-yard split. 37.5-inch vert at 282 pounds, 125-inch uh, broad jump. Again, 282 pounds to do a broad jump, but that, that's freakishness. 7.133 cone, 4.26 shuttle, 27 reps uh, on the bench in addition to that. All the way around, just a freakish guy from that standpoint. Strength, oh, you know, look past, uh, look past the six foot two size for a second. Doesn't it's kind of irrelevant? Look at the arm length. That's what matters there. Thirty three and seven eighths inches. So he's got well more than enough arm length to contend with you out there, um, whether on the edge and the inside. And the thing that stands out with Adi is the coaches kind of acknowledged there from what I was reading about that they really wish they played a little bit more of him to the inside. He played a lot of outside. He's now going to be able to provide, I think, a lot of versatility to the NFL game and giving you some inside-outside stuff. But he might have been at his best as an inside guy. For instance, if they just pushed him into that kind of spot, you know, a little more early on. I'm, I'm not confusing with, I'm thinking my, actually, sorry, I'm confusing with Keon White. Scratch that. <laughs> yeah, I know it's right on this. Uh, but this kid's a good, uh, apply what I just said to Keon White, who's coming up on the list. My bad. Um, but this kid's an amazing, uh, a really good talent, good arms. He showed off. He can, he can, uh, hand fight in with those arms. He doesn't just, they're not just useless unto him. Sometimes with Will McDonald, who's coming up a little bit, he doesn't use the length as much as he should for how much he's got it, so to speak. But, uh, Adeswami Ottawari, I think is a guy that's definitely coming up into the draft boards. And another guy that I think has slid now up into the first round territory of things, because of, in, in part, the pro day and the way that he's tested through this post-draft pro, post process or pre-draft process. Um, but the kid is a, uh, a very, very good player. And if we brought him in to help out on our defensive line, I think you could slide him in on the 3-4 as a 3-4 defensive end. So if you're looking at maybe one of the more primer targets I'm going to talk about for our Hawks of being a guy they would maybe look at here out at 20, he's popped up there with some of his physical measurables and how they come up. This would be a guy that they I think they could look at and go, this does fit to uh, this does fit to the three, four defensive end role that we're looking for kind of the penetrating guy that we want in that mold of things. There's some that like this guy better than Cansey. Cansey's got the production out there at Pitt, but Ottawari has got the arm length that Cansey's missing. And this is where you get a little bit of a good debate between the two on, you know, is it about where he's going or where he's, where he's, it's not about where he's been, but where he's going. And when you look at with Ottawari, a lot like with Keon White, that was getting, that's why I'm getting him confused. Very similar players where they look a little bit on the surface of it of being kind of just hybrid where a man without a position, when in actuality, it's just that you just got to get them kind of, I think, more committed to a certain position um, and maybe their best bet being inside. And especially in our kind of defense where you're doing the three, four end stuff and it's a little more of the, it isn't one gapping, but it's that gap and a half stuff where it isn't just pure two gapping where you just have to hold your ground. You're going to allow these defensive linemen to attack in a way you don't, you don't normally let three, four defensive linemen attack. Um, some schemes do. Obviously, all Fangio schemes will let their guys do this, but uh, we are to let it be done here as well. Next up, we got Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Uh, blew up the combine. You guys already know about this one. This is another guy that certainly has some Seahawky vibes to him, doesn't he? You almost, you almost expect to see one of those tattoos on his arm to have a Seahawk logo on it already in advance. He uh, tore his pectoral muscle this last year at the end of the college season which uh, definitely has probably, I don't know if it's really diminished his draft stock at the end of the day, but uh, he wasn't, for instance, able to, you know, run any of the bench, bench reps or anything. You know, he's still recovering from that, but 
he absolutely has tested out wonderfully as far as the the movement skills and all that. Four three nine forty yard dash, a one five two ten yard split. So of all the guys we talked about so far, that's the fastest ten yard split yet. Now he's only carrying two hundred thirty eight pounds, so lightest cat that we've talked about here. But also did forty one and a half inch vertical leap, one hundred twenty eight inch broad jump. And he's got 32 and 5, 8 inch arms. So the arm length is fine for another guy that is again at that 6'2. You get the guy at 6'2 and he's at 31 and a half, he's at 30 and a half inch arms. You have a little bit of a worry at that point. But then when they've got the arms in addition to the freakishness, which of course is you don't get a guy at 238 running 439 from the outside linebacker position, you know, what could that bring about? Well, what does this tape tell you? The tape tells you that he's indeed an explosive player. And when it comes to rallying rallying to the ball, Georgia's definitely a rally to the ball type of defense and how they play it. All those guys are getting to it. And he's one of those guys. He's gonna chase a few, he's gonna chase it down the backside of the play. He's gonna hustle down the field 20 yards and go make that play. He was rated as one of the best edge run defenders in this entire college class coming out. So he's also got 238. You go, well, maybe he's under undersized, so he can't hold up in the run game. But actually, he did. The questions come from on this of, is there a little bit of a work, workout warrior thing going on here? Because he doesn't quite look 439-152 sudden on the football field. He tested these numbers, but he didn't quite look like that when you're watching him on tape rush. But then comes in the the, the sticky part on this process and the hard, hard part to quantify, much like it is with Jalen Carter, much like it was with Trayvon Walker much like it will be with any Georgia pass rusher that comes out over the next couple of years. And and what part of that now is him playing that role, maybe throttling a little bit back his pass rush, maybe not pinning his ears back, but instead now playing more of a role within how the play is being designed. Specifically, Georgia runs a lot of, uh, you know, they run a lot of games. They run a lot of blitzes. They get guys up around line of scrimmage here, drop out there, zone blitz kind of style stuff a little bit. So, uh, you know, how much did that impact? Maybe a little bit, a lack of his pass rush productivity. On that, I'm not sure. That's that's for probably smarter men than me to determine, but I think that that is the interesting question when it concerns Nolan because you couldn't appreciate getting it just a guy that's you know really good run defender at a smaller size who doesn't necessarily maybe end up developing in that pass rush way if you're going to be talking about the guy being a top 20 pick, which Seahawks very well make this guy that pick. Now, He's got great character as well, interviewed through the roof at the Combine by all accounts. So that would be something that maybe um, pushes him a little bit further up the boards, a little bit higher, if that's the case. Uh, as I say, I'm never I'm never sure on all the stuff, but that was pretty uniformly talked about with Nolan time and time again. He's a fun player. And again, a guy that, you know, he he gives it to you on the field. He gives you every bit of effort you could want. And he's got some of these freakish sets. You don't find 439-238. Some people have wondered out there in my chat if maybe he could play into middle linebacker with those kind of traits, if he could be slid inside. Maybe. It's possible. But uh, he hasn't done it there at Georgia, of course. He's been just specifically an edge. And I think if Seattle brought him in here, they would hope to develop him, you know, into sort of a, you know, upgrade on an Uchenna Nuosu type, like Uchenna Nuosu, but a little bit more maybe in what you're hoping you're getting from uh, if you went out and drafted him. Certainly think he could be potentially a target there for your Hawks at 20. Don't be shocked if they do take him there. He may end up going even higher in this draft at this point. My last mock, I think I had him at the Patriots at, in the teens. So uh, he is definitely rising up the boards. Another guy who's got some similarities to Will to Nolan Smith in this draft is Will McDonald coming in again at 6'3", 240, so right about the same weight. He did run a 4'6", 240, so it shows you a little bit of the difference between uh, Nolan and him on the speed angle of things. But 36-inch vertical leap, 132-inch broad jump, 6'6", 
three cone drill, a four two one uh, shuttle, which would be a little bit faster than Adetwami, who did a, of course a four two six. Just to give you a little bit of a comparison on that with the guy that was forty pounds heavier, and he's thirty four and seven eighths inch arms. So Will McDonald's got almost like look at that picture there. Like those arms are well beyond go go gadget arms. That's almost thirty five inch long arms on a guy that's six three. So he has got another guy with some freakish skill set with explosiveness. And the thing these numbers don't catch, I suppose the the three cone would sort of capture it a little bit, um, but it doesn't capture it quite as much as the tape does here, which is it's the three main factors I always go to on the pass rusher you want at the forefront is first step quickness, dip, and bend. Now you want other stuff too. You want hand, ability to use his hands and you know counter moves and uh, all that's a, a plan of attack. You can throw a lot of other things that are important. But for me, those three traits, if you can walk in the door as a pass rusher with those three traits, I can work on the other stuff. I can develop the other stuff. I can't develop that. You either have that or you don't have that. Right? We saw this with LJ Collier, right? Did LJ ever develop dip and bend and first step quickness? No, those were the three elemental things that he was missing in his game that you could that were pretty well acknowledged even on draft night, even by those that would be his supporters. So Will McDonald's got this, as does Nolan Smith, the first step quickness. And McDonald's just got to get a game plan, a plan of attack with how to use his hands. He's got the long arms. He's got the quick, he's got the bend. He's going to challenge tackles in every way. He's just got to figure out a little bit better of how to get himself free to a degree. But another guy like Nolan Smith, this is the why I wanted to put these two guys together and why these two guys are very much in range of being targets for your Seahawks at 20. Because they both have to play sometimes that weird three-man front they'll play in college football, right? You get the nose tackle and then you'll get the, you'll get the defensive end edges, but the defensive end edges will sometimes either be playing five tech or four eye inside, but they're usually at least heads up over the tackles. You know, they're never really being put in that wide nine pass rush range where they're just being let let loose, so to speak, off the edge to really best take advantage of their quickness and their speed. Both of these two guys were inhibited in that way. In that they, you look at them on their tape and you're like, Will McDonald, you've got him rocking five tech here, huh? Okay. And again, we saw this last year with Trayvon Walker. This is why Trayvon Walker went so high in the draft as he did, is that a guy in bulky out there in Jaguars, their general manager was acknowledging, yeah, it's uh, it's a little, he was restricted a little bit in his production by what the scheme was asking him to do. But we're not going to ask him to do the same thing. We're going to turn it loose. Turn it loose. Next guy up on my list, and this guy's scary. I mean, he's just kind of, he's just scary. You know, I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's freaky. He's freaky. 6'3", 256. This man's name's Derek Hall. 4'5", 140, 162. On the uh, on the ten yard split, so not phenomenally fast. Got a thirty three and a half inch vert, one twenty seven broad, which was very good. The vert was okay, you know, for it's decent, but the broad was uh, was really good. Thirty four and a half inch long arms, so another guy long arms. This guy's got whole cans. So the freakishness with him is the power as much as anything else, and you feel it with him. Um, it's it's there on every snap, and you got to be aware of it. And he's going to hit that tackle with those hands and jolt them nearly every time. He's a big guy. He's he, you can see he's yoked up, um, like half a percent of body fat on the guy, I guess. But he just he plays mean. He plays angry. He plays like a bully off the edge. Um, and violent hands, violent hands on this guy. Uh, but a very very fun player to watch, and a guy again that. Like I'm talking with these other two guys, guys probably looked at more in second round territory here, but in this draft, 
these freakish guys, these guys that have that little bit of unusualness to them where there's a little bit of an extra bit of explosion to them or power and explosion to them or first step quickness dip and bend to them. As I talked about with those aforementioned other two guys, those guys might get elevated a little bit higher in this draft. And part of why I want to point you guys on some of these freakish guys is there guys that right now that are maybe being talked about in terms of more of second round value points. And I get that, that that's what we're talking about them right now is worth within a month of the draft. But in a draft of uncertainty, in a draft of many different question marks, you may want to go to more of uh, either A, upside or certainty, right? I'm either going to then dri be driven that much more harder away from the middle ground to where I'll be going, I think, for more upside or I'll be looking for a higher floor. And in a lot of these guys, we're talking about a very, very high upside to their game. And still in development. And I think Hall's a little bit more of a finished product versus McDonald and Nolan coming off the edge. A guy 256 who, could, 256 who can maybe offer a little bit in there of kicking him inside uh, occasionally on passing downs. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Auburn did a little bit of that with him there. Next guy up is uh, Keon White, guy that I was uh, um, confusing a little bit a second ago there with I don't know why I was confusing him with Adewari because Adewari is like 6'2". This guy's 6'5". But 6'5", 286. He ran a 4'6", 540. 34-inch vert, 117 broad jump, 30 reps on the, on the bench in uh, 34-inch arms. Again, I'm pairing him a little bit here with Derek Hall for similar reasons in that he's obviously a, a bigger guy, a guy that's going to be inside. As I was saying a little bit about Ottawari, I think Ottawari they did a little better job of utilizing him at times inside on his tape, um, though he was an inside-outside guy too. With Keon, he was kept a little bit too often outside. We're being at 286, uh, even with a 4.65, and I don't have his 10-yard split because I had to pull that off his pro day. Um, even with a, a 4.6540, isn't necessarily that sudden. Um, you know, he isn't necessarily uh, going to give you that 1.6 even 10-yard split, but kick him inside, kick him inside now. And, and when he gives those reps inside, he, he looks impressive. He looks much more impressive on tape. It's one of those situations where the coaches needed this guy to be playing out here. His best position was probably in here. And, and as I was saying earlier about uh, Adewara, I was meaning him, the coaches acknowledged afterwards, we probably would have been better suited to just put this guy on the inside 24 seven for his career, for his draft profile. You make the argument if he was just playing 24 seven out of three tech, or as, as a 3-4, you know, inside to some wherever, because these coaches move them all over the place in college football, that uh, he would have put up more productivity and he would have been a higher-rated prospect in this draft. This is, again, with like the other couple other guys, you're going to have to be imaginative a little bit in his upside, but there is tremendous upside in this guy and he does offer a very unique profile. Unlike a couple of the other guys I mentioned here, I think he does still stay into the second round because of, the I think, a little bit of a lack of productivity there, maybe purely, but uh, a fun player. Another fun player, and again, 30 reps. 30, you know how hard it is to get 30 reps out on 34-inch long arms? It's one thing that one of those guys got 30-inch long arms. You know, I had a buddy back in high school set our bench record. Guy had little stubby arms. He just, eh, 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 eh. it wasn't even like barely locking out. You know, it's like, and then you get a long arm guy in there, and there's like, they got to pull the thing all the way down and come all the way. It's harder to get those reps out with those long-armed guys, with those long levers, as they say. And he did it. Uh, and it shows up on tape where he's got that strength and power in his hands. Let's get over to some cornerbacks here. Let's take a look at some of these other guys. The guy at the top of the stack, you guys know who this guy is. I probably don't have to tell you much about him. Uh, another guy that really said, didn't light the combine on fire, but solidified himself in the combine as that guy in this draft at the cornerback spot. This is your best corner in the draft. Hey, you were at five. Uh, you uh, you got some uncertainty a little bit about you know um, 
Tyree Wilson. You know, you got worries about the character concerns of Jalen Carter. You're uncertain about the arm length of Kalijah Kansi. You think taking Peters Karansi is a little too early at that point, considering you're going to move him to a guard, maybe center? Well, then if you're looking for the safe bet, if you're looking for easy money, then look no further and further. Look no further. Look no further. I'm turning Canadian today. Look no further. And now I'm really turning Canadian. Oh my God. No. Uh, look no further. There we go. Then Christian Gonzalez, 6'1", 197 out of Oregon, cornerback transferred uh, from uh, University of Colorado, where he also played really well. It's one of those NIL, you know, that's that film night money. You know what I mean? Making it rain. Uh, he ran a 4'3", 8'40", 1'5", 4'10", split, phenomenal. 41 and a half inch vertical leap, 133, 133 inch broad jump with 32 inch long arms. You feel all the way good down the line. Very, I mean, just excellent with every one of those metrics that as they line up, all upper level metrics. Uh, the kid is a very clean prospect on tape. He does a great job of just, he, he does that thing that really good corners can do. Like the guy that we have on our roster, I think is actually the best at this. Uh, that wasn't on the field last year. Trey Brown, this is his skill set, which is pressing the receiver to the sideline and just working this, working it down the sideline and eventually giving that receiver no room and eventually edging almost that receiver out of bounds without ever really touching him, without pushing him, just by your your ability to stay fast with them step for step and then just sort of head them off at the pass a little bit. Uh, it helps him to absolutely take away nine routes and then he can almost be Sherman-like on those nine routes if a quarterback dare tests him where he's got the length, he's got the explosiveness, he's got the hops to go up there and take away the ball up on the front side over the top of the receiver, and the receiver's not gained enough separation because the guy's got four, three, eight speed. And legitimate on that shows up on the tape. Uh, you look for the, I'm not saying I'm advocating for us taking a cornerback prospect here. So don't get that as what I'm saying. We're just talking about, we're 30 days in, we got to talk about all of the potential here, realistic possibilities. And at five right now as it stands, right, there's a lot of uncertainty if the Hawks aren't trading back. There are some potentially good players you pick there. But as I mentioned with those couple other guys that I just talked about, there's some question marks there. So yeah, Christian's going to go probably in the top 10. And I don't think he's probably going in the top five to the Seahawks. All that being said, Schneider may be looking at this class going, I don't, I'm not able to trade back. I don't like taking the risk on Wilson. I don't like taking the risk on this guy. This guy's not a risk for me. He comes in and gives me a shutdown corner opposite Tariq Woolen. I'll put my value in that. I, I, I would like to see them go in another place to the pick, but you could understand it. And this kid's freakish enough to definitely justify the pick. My uh, comp for him is Akib Tlaib, who had himself a pretty good NFL career, didn't he? And Christian didn't tear off one necklace on the tape I watched. So I thought that was pretty cool too. That's a vague Akib Tlaib reference for you folks, by the way. Uh, next guy up on my list is going to be out of Kansas, or sorry, uh, next guy on my list is going to be out of uh uh, Ohio State, and this guy's not freakish from a standpoint of he's uh, he's going to test well. He's not got short area explosion. He's not going to jump high. Nope. 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 He's just going to be purely bigger and stronger than you in an insane fashion. And the man that I'm talking about is one DeWanda Jones. DeWanda Jones. I can't speak all of a sudden tonight. Turning Canadian here partly. Man, when you read off his profile, it sounds like I'm uh, I'm announcing him to the wrestling ring here. 6'8", 375 pounds, hailing out of Ohio State. Five, now he ran a 5'3", 5'40", which isn't bad when you consider it's 6'8", 375. 
One nine two ten yard split. Like I said, he's not going to a mobile based offense, but that doesn't matter. He's still freakish, and it's because he's six eight three seventy five with thirty six thirty six and three eighths inch arms, almost thirty seven inch long arms. That's a ninety inch wingspan, folks. Some of you out there aren't ninety inches tall. This man's got a longer wingspan than you are tall, and when you watch the tape with him. What you see is a guy that does bully you. It reminds you of, um, I hate to say it, but I was an older brother to a younger brother. And as older brothers do, we can piss off our younger brothers from time to time when we're younger kids, right? But we have that age difference. We got that size difference. And younger brother gets himself up. Oh, he gets himself up one day. He thinks he's going to come get something, right? And he charges you. And you just sort of catch him by the shoulders there. And you just kind of you just kind of hold. And he, and he does that move then where his, Socks start to slide on the carpet and you just slowly, slowly just press, press right down to the floor and he ends up just softly landing on the floor there face first as you're holding him there. That's what Dewan Jones does basically every snap. You go, go watch his senior bowl tape. He's doing this on rep after rep where you're watching NFL draft prospects, guys that are going to play on Sundays. Coming off the ball, coming off and you can just sort of feel them go, what do I do with this? You know, it's like a, it's like a man in a movie looking up at a giant, you know? And that's, you can just see him doing it on the rep and they get into him and he gets his hands right up on their shoulders and he's six, eight. So he's over the top of you, right? And just does the press move and you, you, you end up right there in part of the grass, you know, part of the landscape at that point. Uh, insane, insane strength for his size. Now he doesn't, he doesn't have the movement and all that, but this guy is, is so freakish with how big he is. And it's not bad weight. It ain't six three six eight three six seventy five where it's like he's he's kind of, you know, fat and just sort of, I mean, Daniel Falele, who I liked a lot last year, kind of was just carrying that kind of just, you know, it's, it's a little extra. He was another freakish guy, but not freakish like this where it's like 375 and he's kind of not all, it, it, it ain't just like a, a ton of like, you can see on him, he's not, it doesn't look like he's, you know, super fat or carrying a ton of bad weight on him. It's, it's all pretty good weight for the most part. It, it, all, it all makes sense for a guy that's 6'8", right? For a guy that's 6'8", he's going to be a little heavier, you know? Um, so he does move okay for his size. And a guy that maybe, maybe, I don't think again for our Hawks on this one, but a guy that could come sneaking into the contention here as being, I think, a, a first-round pick. DeWan, DeWan uh, is going to be the number two, I think, right tackle in this draft, and depending on where you put Skronsky, of course. I mean, he's called left tackle. Who knows where you're, we're going to kind of set him. Um, but I think that Dewan's got a chance at second, third, maybe second or third of uh, sliding into the first round here um, because he did have such a good senior bowl and showed that quick guys in space are not going to necessarily give him trouble just because he's so long. So like, you can beat him by two or three steps and he just has those 37 inch long arms that he just has to throw a side arm on you and he's strong enough. He'll throw you out the back of the pocket and he's barely moved an inch. It's, it's pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable. Uh, next, uh, next guy up here I've got is going to be, uh, this is a guy that I uh, maybe not as widely talked about, but for my money is one of the guys is very, very intriguing into the, I think the second, third round territory of things in this draft. That's going to be Darius Rush. And Darius Rush is a guy who's 6'2", ran a 4'3", 6'40", 10 yard split, 35 inch vertical leap, 121 inch broad jump, which the broad jump invert are maybe a, little, maybe a smidge above average. The four three six obvious puts him in like a ninetieth percentile point. The one five one ten yard split puts him into like a ninetieth percentile point. 
This guy's a recent trans uh, guy that's recently just transitioned to the cornerback position. He's, he was a, one of those wide receiver converts. We've had some, we've had some tremendous luck with these guys, haven't we? Sherman, Tariq Woolen. This guy's just a recent convert to the position. Doesn't even know what he doesn't even know. And he absolutely balled out for South Carolina. A quarter of the targets that went his way over the course of the season were either broken up by him or intercepted. And then when he went to the Senior Bowl this past year, this past uh, offseason, he had like three interceptions over the course of the week of practice. So it showed up there as well. And to consider this as well, one last little point with this. He didn't get that. You, you think of the quarter of the targets being him knocking it away or intercepting it. And you think, well, it just means that he probably wasn't challenged very often. So there's a sample size because he was only thrown at in total like 15 times on the season. Bump it, bump it, bump. No, 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 no. Cam Smith, who's likely to be a first round pick in this draft, who may go even higher than uh, Darius Slay in this draft, was the guy who was his running mate on the other side. So there was no refuge for a quarterback to run to. They had to test him. They had to go out there at him. And he made them pay the price. As he made those quarterbacks pay the price in senior bowl practices. This is a guy on the rise. This is a guy whose best days are ahead of him. And the fact that he went out there and was able to run that 4-3-6 with the juice that he's got there to, 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 to basically run step for step with anybody on the football field really gets me intrigued with this guy. Uh, and, and second round, I don't think the Hawks would take him. But again, I think a guy with their history and the luck that they've had looking at wide receiver converts could be a guy that they're sitting there kind of rubbing their chin with, you know, going, we have done this before, and he does fit the profile. Yes, he does. All right, let's get to the next one here. And we're going to go down a couple corners here, because as I've said, the cornerbacks are probably, corner room in this draft is probably the deepest of any position in this draft. And you're going to see the reason why here with a couple of these guys we're going down the names of, because of the fact that they, uh, they indeed are... Um, uh, they indeed are are where the depth is of this draft. This is the strength of this draft. And on one particular college program, as we saw with South Carolina, you had a pair of guys that were NFL ready and they're going to be picked very high in the draft. You're going to have two guys over in Maryland that are, I think are going to be equally picked very high in this draft. Let's start with Deontay Banks, a guy that's taken a little bit of time for me to kind of fully warm up with, but I've just been watching more and more and more tape out of him and I've been falling more just loving what he does out on the football field. And let's start out with first the measurables. Six foot, 197, 435, 40, 149. So we just talked about 151. Well, he's got a approximate 149, 10 yard split, 42 inch vertical leap, 136 inch broad, 136 inch broad jump. That is ridiculous. Now he's got 31 and 3 eighths inch arms. So the arms are just a teensy itsy bitsy, uh, a little bit smaller than you'd like, but everything else is great. Uh, and he is physical. Um, he is mean to receivers on the outside. He will press you to a standstill position and he won't apologize for doing so. Plays with a little bit of that edge to him out there. Another guy, a little bit like Darius Rush, that can run step for step. He's not a guy that's going to necessarily, I think, get you a ton of interceptions. Uh, I think two interceptions, I think, in like four years is what he's he's had. But a guy that does have a freakish skill set to where it's going to be hard to complete the ball with him. He's got active hands. He can knock it away still, even if he can't pick it off. And again, 4-3-5 with the 136-inch broad jump, 42-inch vertical leap. Those are definitely both like 97, 98 percentile numbers for the position. And another guy who, like I was saying before there with Cam Smith and Darius Slay, you've got a guy in uh, Jacorian Bennett. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that right here. These guys, some of these names are new to me. These names are new. Yes, Jacorian Bennett was his running mate there out there at Maryland. 
Uh, and he came in and had an equally fantastic combine. I don't know if maybe they brought an athletic trainer out there to get these guys up to snuff for, the, for all the testing scores, but they both tested wonderfully. And the tape backs it up with both of them. They're explosive. They're fast. They're tight in coverage. Um, I, neither's a ball hawk kind of guy. Both have, I think, some fluidity in playing both man and zone a little bit. Both have some, some pluses and minuses to their game. But I think both with their athletic profiles have now kind of cemented themselves in a way of being around more of a second round range. Whereas you might've put them in like a late third, fourth round, just pure based off the tape, maybe at that point. Uh, with Jacorian, he almost matched his partner's numbers step for step. He ran a pure 4-3-40 at the combine, blazing fast. Another 1-4-8, 10-yard split like his running mate. 40 and a half inch vertical leap. 131-inch broad jump, 13 reps on the bench, and 31 and 7-8-inch arms. So a little better in some places, a little worse in other places between him and his teammates, but they both basically profile out kind of athletically um, similar. He does bring some lumber to the position as well. He's a he's a willing hitter there. Um, a little bit over-aggressive at times, a little jumpy, right? Um, but he can trust his speed to catch back up. Both these two guys can. They can lean back in and know that even if you beat me by a step, I will catch up to you. You're not as fast as me. You're not as quick as me. And these are such nice things to bring to the position, I think, when you've got uh, that, that suddenness. Now, he's at 5'11", 188, so not quite at six feet tall. A little bit with that on part uh, was a part that made me think about maybe taking him off the list here. But nonetheless, running that as fast as he did, and both of these guys having as good a tape as they've had, I, I think they've, going back and watching them both, like I said, first few as well, their fourth, third, fourth round range things. I think it's progressed now a little bit more into pushing these guys up a little bit higher. When you start to put together again with these prospects, it's like Ottawari. It's not about where they were or Keon White, not about where they were. It's about where they're going and where you're profiling them out to be. And both these guys, I think, are profiling out to be pretty pretty tremendous players uh, if they can get the right kind of coaching at the next level. Another freakish guy here is a guy that has been mocked to the Seahawks Um not at five, but I think at 20, a couple mocks I've seen him put in at. So I think that's interesting enough there. Joey Porter Jr., son of, of course, Joey Porter, one of the great in the lineage of outside linebackers with the Pittsburgh Steelers that has gone back for multiple decades, right? They just keep churning them out. Currently, you have T.J. Watt right there rolling through right now, but there's just always a, a run of these guys coming through. And Joey Porter was a guy that played with a little bit of edge. Many Seahawks fans will remember him, of course, for being the guy that called out Jeremy Stevens uh, during the Super Bowl week in 2005 and, and getting kind of chippy with it and trying to kind of bring the intimidation factor in from the Steelers' side of it. I don't know if that really worked or not, but he was trying it. Uh, that was kind of his whole thing. And uh, his son is definitely cut from his father's cloth. He is an intimidator on the field. He is as physical as you can get at the position. And from a measurable standpoint, I was very uh, I was very impressed by what he tested out at because he does look explosive. He does look fast. This stuff confirms that because you do worry when you look at tape and see a guy 6'2", 6'2 and a half as he is. Okay, is, can he change direction? Is he explosive? Um, and that stuff does, he, he is able to do that. So let's go through this here. 4'4", 640, um, not blazing fast, but the 1-5, 10-yard split. So quickness in that 10-yard space. We get caught up on the 40, but sometimes it's about getting as much caught up in that 10-yard split. How fast are you from zero to 100, right? Oh, you can get up to speed at, at yard 30 in a 40-yard dash. Great. How getting up to speed in the first three yards? That's something that measures there with that 10-yard split that I find very important. 
Also posted a 35-inch vertical leap, 129-inch broad jump, and he comes in with 34-inch long arms to the position. So he is big, he is long, he is like the sun blotting out the moon. You just sometimes, even if you think you're breaking free, he's got that extra inch or two that he's got on top of him to where he's going to get over the top and you just don't, you can't see the ball coming in. Look at him here on this guy right now with this receiver who doesn't even have his head looking back for the ball just because he's all over you first off physically and then the ball's coming in and then it's just arms and legs all over your, you, you can't see the ball coming in. You got no clear line of sight. Um, a fun player, I think that he's got a good chance of being maybe even the second cornerback off the board because of the way that he has tested and because his film is good. The downside is with him is that he, he can't catch for his life. He catches like the son of an outside linebacker. <laughs> but he can track the ball. He can knock it away. He just doesn't have that. He just don't have those. He just don't have those hands. You know, that's the one, one downside with him. But does he have the freakish element to him? You better believe he does. Go to the next uh, one. We'll go linebacker position here uh, a little bit. Uh, where, where am I at? Am I make sure I'm on the right deal here? Yeah, we got that Papoe. Go through my names. Go through my list. I didn't get all my names on here. Not all these are going to have pictures, unfortunately. thought I had these in here, but they're not working up. Um, next guy up on the list for me is going to be Owen Papoe. This is, uh, this is a guy out of Auburn that fun tape to watch. Uh, go watch it again against Penn State. His tape, he goes out there and lays this lick on Clifford where he just absolutely decletes him. And you, you just watch him just, he's this bow-legged, rangy middle linebacker. Certainly a little undersized at 225, six feet tall. That part jumps, but 43940. Another guy posting in that 439 range at the linebacker position and at the middle linebacker position at that. 1-5-2, 10-yard split, 35-and-a-half-inch vertical leap. 126-inch broad jump, just coiled-up twitchiness is what you're getting here in Owen Popoe. Yes, you, you're going to have to deal with a little bit of the undersizedness and the 225, but the game is maybe going a little bit in this direction of the linebackers not necessarily having to be quite so heavy as they once were, you know, to be that 245-ish range of things that maybe now you can get away with, um, you know, not quite having to be to that, to that realm, so to speak. But he is a... Um, He's a very fun player to watch on tape, especially for the way that he pursues and then he's willing to hit. He's going to bring the he's going to bring the violence when he does arrive. And not all linebackers do. You get a lot of the, just kind of those uh, Henry Toa Toa types that are just looking to kind of wrap it on up and and get you down, get you kind of to the ground, pull you down as much as they can, and and call it a day, so to speak. So, uh, good player there. Let's move on to the next one. Popoe is uh, is definitely a fun one. And another guy that you're talking about in the second round for the Hawks, if there becomes a run on the middle linebackers, let's say we got we got three guys. We got uh, Jack Campbell, Dan Henley, and Drew Sanders that are all in their, their own, Trent Simpson as well, all in their own kind of clump, right? Of Those will be the top four guys in some order taken off the board. And if it goes quick and you end up in the back of the second round looking at a guy at that point, Certainly, Popoe is going to be a little bit maybe lighter than the Hawks would like to lean to, but you might look at this guy getting up into the second. I originally had him more as kind of a late third, fourth round guy, but when you test out a four three nine forty, it's a little bit like Nolan Smith. Of even if it's it's not pure on the on the film, those physical measurables are just so true that you have to you have to kind of lean into it. We don't find that in other positions, especially in this draft, which is going to be weaker than a linebacker. It's going to push all these guys' value up a little bit because teams are going to get a little bit more jumpy about picking one early because they're not going to think there's going to be a quality one that's going to be available later on. There's some interesting guys later on, but I think most of them wash out to becoming really special teams kind of players or backups 
If you're looking for really starter quality middle linebackers, you're going to have to go a little bit earlier in this draft. And Papoe, I think, with, with showing off some of the freakishness he has here in this post-draft process, has pushed himself up probably into that second round range of things. Uh, actually, let's go to the other linebacker I want to talk about was Trenton Simpson. Uh, as a guy gets a little bit of heat sometimes for being overrated or, you know, uh, it's all just about what he did a year ago because he didn't have as good a tape last year. But this guy, make no mistake about it, I think is probably still going to, at the end of the day, become a first-round pick. He offers versatility in that you look at 2021 tape, he's rushing off the edge quite a bit. And you look at his testing scores, 6'3", 235, 44340, 155-10-yard split, 32 and 38 inch arms. So what you see with that is you got a guy, if we look outside linebacker for a second, let's look at that as a physical profile of an edge. 6'3", 235. Well, that's right along where Nolan Smith was at, right? 4'4", 340, that, that works. 155, 10-yard split, so he's sudden as well. And you go back to that 2021 tape, he's rushing off the edge, he's sudden, he's showing an ability to even use his hands a little bit as an edge rusher. So you always have in the background of picking up Trenton Simpson the understanding that you can move him out and do some edge stuff with him uh, if all else fails, if there's some issues with him working in as a middle linebacker. And you have that concern with him, of course, because he's just recently this last year moved back to the middle with Clemson. He had been kind of out in space more in 2021, allowed to kind of run free, run wild. You know, now he's kind of a little more into the, you got to be in that box, in that zone there as that middle linebacker and be physical at times. And he didn't look as as fluid with that. He didn't look as as much like that was as comfortable for him, but it was a developmental process and he was just new to it, much like Drew Sanders in this respect of things. But bringing 6'3", 235, and 4'4", speed to the position um, with a couple of good years of production there at Clemson as well um, is is worthy of, uh, again, a draft where there's not many of these middle linebackers that test out this well or have the length or have quickness in the size. But uh, he is impressive in that respect of things. And I think you just have to commit to try to use him around all around the field a little bit. If you're going to pick him, you're not just trying to pick him to necessarily be a pure middle. You know, if I was a 4-3 team, I'd love to bring him in as a will. Or if I'm going to bring him in as a 3-4 team, I'd maybe have him do snaps as a middle, but then sometimes try to work him off the edge maybe a little bit. I'm not quite sure if he'll be a, a, a target for the Hawks because they're not needing as much that backup edge stuff uh, from a guy necessarily. But they may just look at him and say, he's, he's on his rise like Drew Sanders. They're, those two are kind of different if you're going to pull them away from, uh, um, to me, a day on. Danny on Henley's kind of knew the position too, being a safety convert. But Jack Campbell, for instance, you know, Jack is a kind of more of the finished product. You know, he's been at that position. That's what he's played. With Simpson, you, you have a guy that, you know, just is just started to get in that middle and still starting to rock with it. But 6'3", 235-4-4 uh, for the middle linebacker. That'll work. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, next guy up is another cornerback uh, that I meant to get to a little bit earlier on this. My last other cornerback that I want to talk about, which was Julius Brents from Kansas, Kansas State. Yeah, it's Kansas State, right? Yeah, Kansas State. Uh, so we've got four, five, three speed, but that's on a six, three, one ninety-eight build. So a bigger cornerback here, one five, seven, ten yard split. So sudden. Did a 41 and a half inch vertical leap. So if you've got this guy going down the football field and he jumps and it's between him and a wide receiver and who's going to get ball, whose ball is it? It'll be his ball. Don't know if he'll catch it or not, but it'll be his ball. Uh, you're not, you're not going to, you got to get true separation from this guy to get away. It's a little bit like the Joey Porter situation where you can't just count on him being the Brandon Browner types where you get him to flip their hips and change direction. And maybe you can kind of generate a little bit of separation by doing that. They can stay with you. They got the short area burst. They've got some of the long speed you look for there with it. And they got the length. 
Uh, so he's got that impressive physical profile. He also posted a 138 inch broad jump, which is pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous broad jump. That's the best we've actually re registered so far of my freaks list here that I've read off. So he is the explosiveness. You pair that 41 and a half, almost 42 inch long vert. He's going to get up. He's, he can explode. He's got the, and that's the thing you worry about with those six, three guys. Cause they sometimes have that struggle to flip the hips and change and turn direction and stop and start. Just takes them a little bit longer to get going, but not necessarily with him. 34 inch long arms as well. In addition to this. So like Porter's got the long arms, the gadget, go, go gadget arms. The, the one problem here with Julius is that the tape just doesn't match up to the physical profile here uh, more so than any of these other players we're talking about. He's got the physical profile. looks great. But up until this point, the tape is a little bit of a muddled picture. And he's a, a guy that looks most comfortable in man, but but then he wants to play press, but then guys are going to kind of start to run away with him off press if he can't land his press and he doesn't look comfortable landing press. He should be a guy that should be a lot more comfortable in, in off coverage and zone than he looks. And uh, he's just got to maybe get more development with that because when he went to the Senior Bowl, kid looked great. Kid looked really comfortable and cozy and, and was one of the best uh, corners, I think, during the course that week. So he could be a guy that is on the rise and is developing in that respect of things and does fit to the Seahawks model of what they look for in the, the size build standpoint. But the tape's not quite, uh, doesn't quite match up the physical testing, testing numbers, so to speak, on that. Only got uh, one wide receiver here on the list to look at. And I'll tell you guys, I, there was, you know, one running back, one wide receiver. I, I've tried to look through the list to find, and this is just not a year where there's a freakish component in any of those two positional groups. I would also say the same thing for center and guard. Wasn't really those guys in there that, that fit that model that, that you go, this guy's, no. Same thing with tackle. I mean, it's, it's, there, there's some good players. There's guys that'll be good pros, but we're talking about mutants here. We're talking about guys you don't just see come rolling down every year all the time, 24-7. And uh, when you look at those positional groups, as far as I'm concerned on it, it's a good player. Bijan Robinson's talent is, is sensational, one of the best in this draft. But he didn't run a 4-3, run a 4-4, solid. 5-11, 2-15, solid. You know, he has some great testing numbers, fit along even close to a guy like Ladanian. I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. But was there something freakish necessarily? No, he tests not necessarily. And Jameer Gibbs, good Great 40-time, 4-3, but again, 100 at 190 pounds. You look at a Devin R. Chain, another running back going out there at that, that sub-4-3 speed. Yeah, they're running at 178. He's running, I think, 178 pounds. You know, they go really, really light, and then they run these super-fast 40s, but you can't carry that weight and run like that at the pro level. You're going you're gonna to need to. I mean, you're going to be slower with the weight you add a little bit with that. Um, so you have to be careful, I think, with some of those smaller guys when they are so very light um, and how they can kind of slide and get away with that, you know, just a little bit. But the one guy I wanted to talk about is uh, my last freak on this list, which is going to be, I can get to my notes here, Bryce Ford Wheaton. 6'4", 221 out of West Virginia. No doubt Geno Smith's going to be banging the drum for this guy. 4'3", 840, 154, 10-yard split, 41-inch vertical leap, 129-inch broad, 6973 cone, which is a 415 uh, shuttle, and he had 33 and a half inch long arms. So if you want your DK Metcalf of the draft, you want to ask me, Brandon, who's your DK Metcalf of the draft? I, I present to you BFW, okay? BFW is agent zero here is your guy. Uh, much, and DK is a bit, was a better prospect, I think, than this kid. Although I do like this kid and it's great that he's tested well. Um, certainly a burner, certainly quick as hell. 
um, certainly able to to do a lot of things that is that that you know from a physical standpoint you can't get from a lot of the receivers in this draft, namely being able to play on the outside. Um, and that's probably going to have him being picked a lot higher than maybe even he should be going because the two problems he has with him is hands and route running. Those are the two worries you sort of have that that are just a bit inconsistent with him. But as far as explosiveness and size at that and 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 that type of stuff, like we've seen with DK, when you get a guy that, that is that big, it can move that well, um, it's just a problem for offenses in itself. And as we saw with DK also, you can see that development. Some from those other things come along over time. I know the hands still aren't perfect with DK, but they've gotten to me better over time and improved. And I think certainly his route running has improved over time. So if you want to look at the draft that's full of guys that are 5'9", 185 pounds at the wide receiver position, and you're trying to find your outside guy, you're trying to find your legitimate dude who can hold up out there and really be a, a, a one or a, or at least a true two, well, then you might have that in this guy because he does fit a little bit, I think, more to that mark of, um, uh, of that type, so to speak, in that measure of things. A fun player to watch on tape. There, he can definitely take the top off a of defense. He scares the life out of cornerbacks as far as getting on top of them goes, but did run a limited route tree, and uh, certainly you're going to have to to coach up some of those aspects and things about him. That's my freaks list, though, folks. Let me see what you guys think on your freaks list. Let me see who I missed off my list. I certainly am sure I missed a couple of guys. These were just the guys that, as I will look, am going through now and scouting this draft, and definitely about over 200 name, 200, just right about 200 right now. I mean, maybe a smidge over 200 guys I've scouted at this point. And so I think I got a pretty good handle on who's who and what's what as far as the the guys that are the mutants of this draft. But they are few and far between. Sometimes there's drafts with more of them than this. There are a little stacked more heavier, I think, to certain positional groupings in this draft. But uh, fun players nonetheless. And uh, pretty much any of these guys, if the Seahawks ended up with any of them, um, I would, I'd be pretty encouraged by it. I don't have any... Julius Brents is the one guy on this list that I provided that might give you give me a little bit of the hesitancy because the tape doesn't match up enough. You know, Nolan Smith might not become a great pass rusher, but you know, he at least uh, is, he, he provides me the best run stuffing edge in the entire draft. And that's, that's helpful. I can use that. Um, some of you guys might be wondering too, why I didn't include like a Jackson Smith and Jigba. And uh, certainly with his short area explosion stuff, that's mutant like, that's his mutant thing, but it wasn't as, as uniform with him. Right, the the even on the fast track of the Ohio State surface, he didn't run a tremendous forty, and you know if you can't can't go very fast, I I can't can't include you on the. If you can only go fast in five yard spaces, you know what I mean. I gotta I can't quite put you on the mutant list because he wasn't necessarily big or long either. Um, so I couldn't quite get him in there. I had a couple other guys in consideration, but I just you know I went with that. Certainly, if Jalen Carter had tested better, he might have been on there. Um, but that's my list. Let's see what you guys think. We're going to be going for about uh, an hour tonight live, and then I'm going to be taking a 10-minute break, and then I'm going to be coming back with Brendan. So I will be doing a little bit of the chat here tonight, um, but we will be, unfortunately, a little bit of a shorter show because we got Brendan coming up a little bit later on. So it'll be in and out. Now, the upside is if you have a question where I might be missing on here right now, and if in doing the short show tonight, I'm not able to address a question or from the last week, not able to address a question with you. The good news is that I'm also going to be streaming on Thursday night. Now, I'm not going to be streaming here on my Hawks Nest channel. I'm going to be streaming on my baseball channel over at the Crow's Nest. It's called the Crow's Nest. This will be my Mariners channel. I'm going to be streaming games throughout the year. We can certainly still talk Seahawk discussion if you want to come in there and talk it. So if we do happen to miss a question tonight from you that I don't have a chance to get uh, answered, please do pop in there on Thursday night on the Crow's Nest. I'll definitely be live at that point during the course of the game. 
And uh, I'll be happy to talk anything at that point. We'll talk Mariners, talking Seahawks, talking anything uh, Seattle related, I, I suppose, at that point. So do me a favor, folks. If you like what you're listening to, hit that like button for me. I would really appreciate it. And uh, if you're not subbed up, please do get subbed up. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm super behind on a couple of big donos here, so I'm very sorry about that. Just I get on my initial spiel here, and sometimes I'm behind, folks. So if you donate early on, I, I do get to them. It's just I got to get through my initial blowheartedness until I can get to the donos. <laughs> <laughs> Josie, thank you for the $5 donation, Joe. I do appreciate it. Sorry, I'm a little late on uh, uh, acknowledging it. Which, with such a strong tight end draft class, do you really think there is a trade market for Fant and his salary? Hmm, it's a good question. Yes. And I, I certainly say this with uh, definitely some hesitancy in my confidence, Joe, but I've I do feel pretty firmly on this. The the hit that you take from a Seahawks standpoint and losing the value on the Fant deal is that you have a guy that might be worth a third round guy that you're getting like a fourth, fifth round uh, pick back for. So the team that's giving up the pick for Fant doesn't feel like they're really giving anything on the fr- giving up anything on the front end. On the back end, they get him on the one year deal, and they may have an inline tight end there, Joe. And I don't have a team that I can give you off the top of my head, but let's say there's a team out there with an inline tight end that they feel really good about, but they don't have an H-back tight end. And there's good tight ends in this draft that are H-back tight ends as well that they may like, but they're maybe looking at wanting to be a team that's a little closer to going next year, getting a little more certainty from the position as opposed to rolling the dice uh, on one of the young guys in, in like a late second round, you know, third round place. And, and instead putting those picks to other positions, Joe, right? Like instead going to maybe a cornerback or whatnot. So you don't have to take that. And you essentially get a guy in, in Fant that's like a second, third round kind of talent, but you're only giving up the fifth round to get him. And so that would be the thing that I think would allow the trade to be generated, Joe, is us not necessarily uh, insisting upon maximum value in the trade returns. And you wouldn't insist upon maximum value because for the Seahawks standpoint, it's not the draft pick you're getting back in return. It's what you're freeing up the salary to use in other places and other places to better build the, the ball club up, I would say. But it also is still very possible at this point, Joe, that they just stand pat and they're like, you know, we'll just, we'll roll with fan again next year and let this, this, this thing figure itself out later down the road, you know. Thank you for the donation, though. Appreciate you. Uh, Megan, uh, with a $5 donation. Thank you, Megan. Says, greeting 12s and B made it finally. Hey, good to see you in the house, Megan. Thank you so much. Hope you're doing well out there tonight. Or this morning. I forget what it is in Australia right now. Some point in the some point in the day. Some point in the day. But I hope you're doing well, Megan. John Stillwell coming in hot with a $20 donation. Thank you, John. I appreciate the dono, brother. Very kind of you, man. Says, hi, Brandon. What's up, my man? Says, I'm, uh, I'm at Take Carter if he's there or trade down. And I'll probably have a different answer tomorrow. Well, if it's an answer that causes you to waffle, if it's an answer that causes you to, to, to go different directions, that just means you're turning over in your mind and you're trying to figure out what is the best approach. And that's, that's signifies to me somebody trying to think uh, intelligently about the situation and, and as much as anything. Um, and I do this very same thing. Um, I, I do find myself leaning into the direction you are. I, I still do lean into the place where I say, you know, I do lean to say, John, whatever your report says, I'll, I'll back that. Whatever you've gotten from your sources, I'll back that. You know, whatever your final determination is, I'll back that. And, and I've 
And as I always do say with this too, John, you know me as well. I'm not a guy that backs John just on everything and he gets the blank. He doesn't just get the blank check from me. But in regards to this, you know, I, I got to trust in that report. All that being said, if that report's somewhat clean, if they're like, we can, we can, this is not the worst thing that we've seen come down the track for a draft prospect. This isn't Malik McDowell at all. Well, if that's the case, then yeah, I would still jump on him. You know, I still, I certainly would. I still trust in that talent and, and walking away with the best talent in this draft at the fifth overall pick. Yeah, it's a risk. Yeah, there, there's, there's that, that's, it's not ideal necessarily, but you're still maybe coming away with some, one hell of a football player at that point. Thank you though, John. Appreciate the $20 and uh, know you are not the only one going backwards and forwards on this one. <laughs> two steps forward, two steps back. Uh, Mark Sanchez, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, just got on here. How do you feel about Rajon Wright from Oregon State? Sixth or seventh round? Six foot three, 195 pound cornerback, long wingspan and good ball skills. Well, I've actually, I actually did look at, uh, mark him up. So I've got my notes on him indeed here. Um, I couldn't find as much game film for my notes here. Uh, he does have that ideal Hawk size and build to him out on the football field, which stood out to me. Um, and the, the thing that was also something that would be a fit on that from a Hawk standpoint here, Mark, is he played a lot of off coverage into cover three. So it was a lot of that off coverage, drop, bail, drop, stay on top, bail, drop, stay on top. You know, that's, I'm going to do it. That's going to be my, it's going to be my, my Seahawk song, cover three, bail, drop. Stay on top. Uh, so yeah, he's he definitely can drop into that cover three look and looks good doing it. And stays on, as far as I saw, he didn't get beat very much over the top. He's got 17 passes defensed over the past couple of seasons. So he's got active hands along with four interceptions. So a guy that also can jump off that cover three and come up and actually make a play. I kind of put those two and two together in the way I was looking at some of that with him. Because um, some of this I had to lean statistically with him just because I couldn't find as much tape as I wanted to find on him uh, to make more determinations. Uh, in the US game that I, in the USC game that I watched, Mark, um, Caleb Williams, I don't think tested him once that entire game. That, w- that stood out to me. And w- that's one of my gold water mark points for a cornerback that, that before, without having to see what your backpedal looks like or how you flip your hips, if I can watch for the course of a football game, a quarterback's head, never turn your way. Yeah, it, it, it's like the kid never wanting to look under the bed for the monster, right? If I don't look under the bed, the monster doesn't exist. And that's exactly what quarterbacks will do with these corners in the college system is that they got all these other places that they can go to with the ball. If they've got their fear of one guy in the football field, they'll they'll then, you know, they'll then, uh, you know, um, uh, go those, those other directions of things. And and that was the case with Rajon watching that little bit of tape that I was able to see with him with USC, Mark. And uh, it was impressive, you know. So he's got some he's he's got some already some familiarity with what Seattle does with they, um, and how they roll and staying on top. And he's got the active hands and he can do the pass defense thing. I think I might be even a little bit higher than you are, as far as where I saw him. I I see him as kind of a late third fourth round guy at this point, Mark. I don't have his testing, and that's where I want to see what he runs and stuff. And that could push him down a little bit into more maybe fifth round range, Mark. If I if you go see he runs a four six forty. Right, if if he's got no short three cone, just sucks. That's that that's the part because I can't watch enough tape on him to really make that determination off just the tape. That would be the part to maybe bump him down. But if he goes out there and he ran a four five forty, and uh, you know one one five eight ten yard split, I I don't know, man. I I like him a little better than the late round stuff. You know, of course in this draft, Mark, you could be a good guy worthy of being an early round guy who just gets pressed down the board. 
because of uh, because of the fact that it's such a deep cornerback class, and it becomes just a number game where there's only so many corners that could be picked right early on. But I loved his tape, Mark. I really did like him. Probably probably fourth fifth round guy when it, when it's all said and done with him. But he was he was fun. And there was a former Oregon State cornerback that was six three six four that we had some luck with back in the day, Mark. I don't know if you remember on that. There was one. Soon, soon. Thank you for the $2 donation. Says, here's a question. Will Adams play this year or get cut? I think that the team, if the team soon, soon was really thinking about cutting Adams at this point, as I was thinking they were thinking about with Julian Love signing, and understandably so, because of how much you're spending on the safety position. And, and uh, you know, it definitely is a read the writing on the wall kind of situation here, a little bit with Jamal with that, that amount of money and, and where he is. But it did seem to indicate off of Coach Carroll's recent interview this past week that he gave that the team is looking to keep Adams in the in the um, in the fold. And certainly, coaches can give kind of coach speak about stuff at certain given times and all of that. And and but he didn't he he didn't really parse his words. He didn't really like remain non-committal about it. He could have done some things to kind of throw up some gray smoke there to kind of muddle it a little bit leaving the team that opening, if that's what they were looking for, being that physical. That physical that Adams is going to have will determine um, a lot, I, I would have thought. But maybe the team with those comments is showing that they're going to be a little bit more patient with him, even if he's not completely up to snuff with the um, rehab at that point. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I lean more back in soon, soon, saying he probably stays on the team at this point going forward. Appreciate you, though. Thank you for the $2 donation. Uh, Megan, thank you for the $2 donation. It says, almost midday here, B. Oh, nice, nice. Well, hopefully it's a sunny one there. We're still waiting for spring to break out on my end of things on my side, Megan. It's a little cold. It's cold. It's real cold. Hope you're doing well out there, Meg. Uh, Grug, what's up? DVN, hello, hello. Aaron Donald, yo, yo, yo. Uh, Robbie Red, Seahawks. What's up, Free Truth? Hope you all are doing well tonight. I know I had about an hour there yapping, so I probably am going to lose a little bit of my that. Folks might have presented a question in the chat. When I'm in my initial yak, it's usually not good for questions because they'll get lost because I'm I'm a long-winded mofo. Herbicide says, I really like Lucas at right tackle, though. What would we do with Dewan? Well, definitely, I think, Herbicide, if you're taking Dewan Jones, then that's that's you're moving you're moving Abraham Lucas inside at that point. Because you're not taking Dewan Jones to put him into guard. He just, he's not, he's 6'8". He'll have, even as strong as he is, he's just going to have no leverage ability in there inside. He can he can get away with that with the off the edge, I think. But I don't know if, I think he would just have a really hard time inside. So if you went with him, you'd be moving Lucas into right. And I wouldn't be in favor, of course, or beside of doing that. Yeah, Nolan Smith is a free curb. Big time. In utero, there was uh, uh, there was talk of drafting Jones and moving Lucas to guard, but it seems like production is never as good as changing positions. No, and as I was saying on my with my mock draft in utero, I liked better moving Dewan Dewan Jones inside, right? Or not Jones? Sorry, I'm getting I got Dewan Jones on the mind. I meant Darnell Wright. I keep getting them confused for some reason. Uh, I moved. I would have moved Darnell Wright inside myself save the geese Darius rush early third round that's about right where he'll probably go 
I agree, Dwyer. I think it would be a big mistake moving Lucas to guard. I think it's it's just we have so much of a hard time over the last 10 years track of putting in offensive linemen and getting success out of them that we drafted so few times. I mean, you, you, it's, 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 it's basically like two or three guys over the last seven or eight years. So the thought process that we get a success and then the first thing we do in their second year when they're due to have their greatest growth is move them to a whole nother position just doesn't seem like a, a, a recipe for success for Lucas. All pro Seahawks, is that Brandon? John has clearly stated best player available if they are serious, then I don't see why they wouldn't take a corner kind of early. I agree with you, man. I think it's in play. I think it's in play. And I won't, I, I won't, as I say about a lot of these picks, there ain't, I ain't gonna get angry for there's very few picks at number five that they're gonna make that I'm gonna be getting huffing and puffing about if they made. And uh, if you took Gonzalez there at number five, he's pretty safe as a prospect. It's hard to pick him apart. And Megan, the main, the main important, there's different important drills on this. Um, and I certainly would, would advocate for you to kind of do a deep drive into this as far as offline. Cause it's hard to, it's definitely not something that's easy when you, when you have like, just to kind of ratchet up, but you, you know, you have your speed, which indicates of course what it is, which is speed when you've got, um, th you know, when you've got the, uh, the vertical leap or the broad jump, those are things that are going to indicate explosion, short area burst. You know, and if those things are missing in the testing numbers, you go back and you look at it and you go, okay, is that what I see on tape? If I look at Saiki Ika and I look at his short area burst, I go, is he, is he slow on tape too? Gervin Dexter, is he slow with his initial burst? Oh, yes, he is. That matches up. Now you have a little more certainty in your scouting report on a given guy. Um, and the like three cone would be change of direction. You know, you can better measure whether a guy can, you know, you're, you're, you're looking for both flaw and uh, exceptionalism when they're doing those kind of drills. Yeah, so it'd be explosiveness. So I'd say, I'd say, Megan, it'd be vertical would be explosive. Broad jump would be explosive. And then the three cone shuttle would be more about change of direction. And then 40 is just pure speed. All three of those type of things a football player is going to need to use on a football field. And you're not using any one of them necessarily in themselves. You are trying to match it to the tape to make sure it's the tape. So you're not just getting Megan a, a workout warrior necessarily, but it's informative. You have a guy that is a wide receiver that goes out there and he jumps 27-inch vertical leap. God, this guy ain't going to be able to jump top over anybody. He's not going to explode past anybody. You know, and then you match it up with a broad jump where he's jumping 110 inches on the broad, 114 inches on the broad, and you go, okay, that's I got two separate drills here, two separate you know, measurements that do indicate this kid can't necessarily explode. Um, and then you look at that, the other, the other explosion one for me, Megan is the 10 yard split, because that's the first 10 yards of the 40 yard dash. So that also tells you who, who quickly gets, you know, up to speed, which again, another vital component to have as a football player is getting up to your fastest as quick as you possibly can. But they all do inform you on that. They all do kind of inform those different things. It's a good question. Um, Megan, thank you for the five dollar donation. Uh, uh, Megan, we have a troll who's been timed and banned and comes back with a new name and becomes personal. Just a heads up. Okay. Yeah, it, 
just remember if anybody comes in, we want to keep this respectful in here. So Megan's my mod in here and I ask her to keep things respectful. We might have a little bit of a, a more rigid standard at times than you, others do get, but I do please ask if uh, you are in here, we do have good, honest, respectful chat. I understand trolls want to come in. Thank you, Megan, for letting me know on that. And I'm going to keep an eye on it. Uh, Mark Sanchez, thank you for the $5 donation. Uh, B, watch Last Chance You with California Juco. Rajon went there and he made the best interception I've ever seen. Top three in my entire life watching ball. Oh, man. I will go check it out, Mark. Hell yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's the huge stand. There's been some great interceptions out there. You know what I mean? So... I'll check it out. And you got me, so I'm sold, man. Rajon's got me sold on, uh, you know, definitely. Um, you definitely got me sold on him. I'm, I'm with it on that, in that respective thing, so. Sorry, I'm just reading up on where we go with chat, seeing what's happening here. Just checking what's going on in my chat here. We're popping today with a bunch of people. Please hit the like button, folks, if you like what you're listening to. We've definitely had our upticks on trolls lately, so people coming in being a little unruly. And folks maybe understand too sometimes, I think, why we have to be a little bit harsher with stuff at times because we do get our, we're getting definitely an uptick with the growth. The growth is is pulling in, is pulling in folks that don't want to be respected. I think a lot of Niner fans too, quite honestly. Uh, but Mark, I'll check that out. I want to check out that interception, man, because uh, I couldn't again. Not a lot of tape on him online. Couldn't locate as much. I gotta I gotta get that college subscription next year. See all the college games. Find a way to do it. Um, how nice it would be if maybe the Pac-12 had some kind of, you know, <laughs> we won't get into that. But uh, he's a fun player, man. And I'm definitely high on him. I guess higher than where some people have him going with sixth, seventh round pick. He's a good player. Jay Stern, thank you for the $2 donation, man. I do appreciate it. Very, very kind of you to do so. Hope you're doing good out there tonight, man. Oh, my brother's in the chat. What's up, Rob? He says, I want to see Dewan Jones tickle torture Nick Bosa. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that dude. Told him down with one arm. Nick just, let me up. Let me up. Herbicide says, is it me or would, uh, would be drafting a, a cornerback or safety would be a waste of a pick? I, I could see a little bit where you're going with that, Herbicide. I, I think... Uh, the one thing I would say with that is that if we're not, if we, if we were to look past a corner, let's say you look past Gonzalez at five, then you're looking at your cornerback room saying, we know that the secondary guy to Tariq Woolen is going to be good enough. Because Mike Jackson had a pretty good year last year, but let's not, you know, it, it certainly wasn't a year that was going to blow you away or was some next level thing in that respect of things. It was, it was okay. Dre Brown didn't, wasn't able to bounce back off that leg injury quite yet last year. And though Kobe Bryant, could be very interesting to be could be very interesting to move him into the outside. He does still have only 30, 30 and a half inch arms, which is probably a little bit of some of the reason they moved him into the slot to begin with a little bit. 
And he's still, even if he's on the outside, remember back in preseason, I mean, Pickens kind of cooked him in that Pittsburgh game. So it's no guarantee that he's better. They have the potential, maybe, I think, Herbicide to be, be fine and good enough options out there. But if I look at those guys compared to Gonzalez as, as players, I think Gonzalez is a vastly better player than all three of those guys. But I get what you're saying with their track record and history. It makes a lot more sense to maybe just wait a, wait a little bit longer for the, you know, wait a little more into the depths of the draft. You know, go more fifth, fifth, fourth, fifth round. Because that's where you have found a lot of, uh, uh, that's where you have found a lot of uh, talent in the past. And if we can, guys, I'm going to, because we have a lot of inner discussion going on in the chat. So I'm going to be looking for kind of questions or put Hawk's Nest in if you guys are looking for a question to ask, just because the chat goes through so fast now with so many people in here. It's hard to kind of track who's talking to who and who's looking to ask a question to me or want me to respond to something. All pros is Julian, Julius Brent's my favorite corner outside of Christian Gonzalez. He's a freakish man. Long arms, big, tall, and he can move. It's hard to find guys like that. I think he's probably going to go maybe even into the, maybe even in the second round at this point. Maybe. There's a lot of guys. It's hard. There's, there's going to be a run on cornerbacks. Um, Save the Geese says, Pete was uh, watching Henry Toa Toa closely at Alabama Pro Day. Could be a decent option round three and four. Take it someone like Trent in the first round would be such a reach. Rather, they take Ottawari at 20. Uh, Trent. Am I blanking, blanking on what do you mean by Trent on that? Um, yeah, I, I'd be with that, that approach. I think that's a, an okay approach there, save the geese. Fourth round for Toa Toa sounds about right. You know? And he can be an interesting player. He's not exciting, but he's got some... I, I think he can be a functional middle linebacker in the league. Tony Borges, I'm uh, I'm also for trading down and getting Cansey later on. It's been kind of a scenario I've definitely run a few times. Uh, Jason Duders is totally down on BFW. Is that is that Wheaton Ford? Yeah, BFW. It's such a cool nickname. Uh, totally down on BFW. Someone, uh, but I think someone's going to reach on him early before we invest. I agree, Jason. Especially in this draft, it's it's it, it, he gets to benefit this draft. Where if he came out in another recent year's draft, he might be more in that third round, fourth roundish range of things. But because of this. This draft and there being so few guys who can play on the outside, who have the size to play on the outside, who have the length to play on the outside, and then the, the of course commiserate speed. Uh, you can get a Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, but he ain't running four three eight, and that's you know he's a possession guy. This guy can take the top off the defense. I think that's going to probably elevate his value. And some teams going to squint their eyes, have a few beers, and talk themselves into Bryce Ford Wheaton looks like DK. Herbicide says Deuce Vaughn should be on that freaks list. It's hard when the guy's five six to put him on a freaks list. That one, that one, it's tough when it's at that spot. 
Kirk Stemmer says, can you put that list in a thumbnail? Just tuned in and didn't hear the whole list. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have, I don't have it kind of listed like that in my notes here. So it, I'd have to kind of parse that through a little bit. I'll, I'll post it. I'll tell you it after I'm done. I'll post it up in the, in the chat, in the description. I'll copy something through, but I'd have to it'd take me like 10 minutes here, cutting through and copying to a deal. I'll post it down in the description though afterwards. You just have to set those things up in graphic and it's hard to do it live. I need a producer. Ten twenty three. who's going to trade for Noah Fant? So yeah, presumptively, I'd, I don't have a specific team off the top of my head, but it would be a team that would have an inline tight end and they'd be looking for an H-back tight end. And that there, I would guess that there's a team out there that's probably would exist to be willing to float a fifth round pick for that. Um, Fant is at least, well, he's not been necessarily a first round amazing tight end. He's been a very consistent player throughout the four years of playing the NFL and given consistent production from the tight end position. That there will be some value to that. Now, you're not getting prime picks for him. I'll give you that. But a fifth-round pick is kind of a flyer pick. And a lot better player than what you're going to get in the fifth round of this particular draft, which gets really weak really fast. Jonah the Whale, what's going on, man? Good to see you in the chat. Megan got Roger with a $5 donation. Thank you, Megan. Says, was over at uh, Last Second Sports yesterday, B. Got very chippy when I declared I was a 12 and had been watching their chat for six weeks. <laughs> they're sensitive folk, you know? They're still licking their wounds, Megan, from last season and the way it ended. Yeah, they're still, they're just like, how did we lose our quarterback? Gone. Tommy John? You kidding me? They're having a hard time with that one. They they can feel it, Megan. You know, they it's getting a little tighter. That window, that Super Bowl window, Megan, just it's closing a little bit a little bit faster, you know? They can they can just feel it like, is there any air coming through this window anymore? I thought this was wide open. It's like, no, it's down a couple inches now. A couple inches, it's still sliding, I know. Sliding fast, I know. You got Sam Darnold due to start next year. Is it gonna close? Maybe. That's what they're going through, Megan. It's it's an emotional an emotional place at this point for them. All pro Seahawks is Brandon talk about Keandre Coburn from the um, from Texas University of Texas. Let me get my notes up on him. <clears throat> so he is a uh, a pure zero tech in a three four. I would not say he's a one tech in a four three, nor a obviously a three tech or a three four defensive end. He is a zero tech in a three four. He's really built low to the ground, six two three thirty two. 
Uh, 5 2 2 40, 1 8 2 10 yard split. There's nothing about him explosively or physically that's going to be imposing or menacing in that respect of things. Uh, he uses that leverage, though, being so built low to the ground. He uses his leverage um, to rock offensive linemen back, and he does display really good power in doing so. So, it, you know, it's a little bit like what Brandon Mabane used to do from the position, where Mabane would be a little bit not that 6'4 guy, but that's kind of sub 6 foot, 6 foot 1, 6'2 guy. And he always is going to get the leverage win, and he brings in the power on top of it. So he's going to kind of get a natural rocking back, uh, of what, of especially if he's going up against the center as a zero tech more often than not. And that's that obviously helps you out to kind of hold the point of attack, because now even if the second guy comes in to help out, you're sort of dealing, you've got the first guy kind of recovering a little bit and you got some time to maybe deal with this second guy. So he has, it helps him handle. And the thing I like about him is the holding up at the point of attack with the double teams from that. First guy gets the jolt. Then he's able to kind of lock into the other guy and he does enough because everything in that play is bam, bam, right? So if you do just enough in that, that's like two seconds of a play. That's plenty of time for you to muck up the play from inside the A gap. If that's what you were trying to do, if that's where the play was going. Really like that part of it. Uh, when he does single gap, he can explode to a spot, which I thought was interesting because he's not really super explosive, but he does a good job of getting there. Um, effort and power is there. That's part, that's primary, primarily what gets in there as a player. It isn't, to me, natural, supernatural ability. It's it's the power and it's the effort. Um, Acceleration is very slow. It takes some time to get up, get up to speed, though he has a higher top end than you normally get from a zero tech. So he can chase down plays on the backside with high effort. He blows plays up quickly when he's at his best, but the flashes are few and far between. He gets single block and neutralized, especially as a pass rusher at the norm. He struggles to disengage, much like his flash as a play wrecker. His disengaging move of push and pull is used here and there, but, but effective and shows off his power as he yanks the linemen down and then uh, pushes them kind of the you know, pushing the ground a little bit. Is that push? It's where you essentially get a lineman over pushing too much. You pull them into you and then you push them down to the ground. It's kind of a kind of, or do you push them down over their head and you get them stumbling a little bit? Uh, he is a little top heavy. Um, and he does end up off his feet like once every four plays, which I didn't like about him as well. So I found that that part kind of bothered me a little bit with him. Um, but I thought middle round zero tech, you, if you went out and you get another zero tech, or you got a Maze Smith and you get a Co- Keandre Coburn, you've taken care of your zero tech. And you could do that in the fourth, fifth round with Keandre, I think. Uh, so you don't have to give up prime assets for him, but you've now taken care of your zero tech position. So I, I think that's, uh, you know, I, 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 that would be workable for me. I like him. He brings something to the table, all pro. Mr. Isaac, what's up, Brandon? Looking forward to this draft, man. I'm in the process of getting a portion of my garage dedicated to a draft party and decking it out all in hawk gear oh you're doing it right that's what you mean you're doing it right you're doing the draft correctly appropriately then mr isaac this is the most important draft in seahawks history you better have a party you better have some chips you better have some salsa that beer better be so cold it's sweating down that glass we ain't gonna have another draft like this one come down the pike in quite a long period of time i had to wait 50 long years in this franchise history to get this draft right now in front of us with all we have at our fingertips with all of the, the, the tantalizing possibilities and probabilities and different inflections that could go out in this draft. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be keeping you on the edge of your seat day one through day three. So I'm glad to hear you're uh, celebrating in that fashion as you should. Doing it right. Uh, Herbicide, I haven't had a chance to check out Jared Clark yet, but I will uh, 
Let me put him on on my list, man. You're saying he's better than Co Coburn. I better I better go give him a look see. Uh, G Walker, there's all, there's more to safety than picks. Yes, it, it could be, have been a bad trade. Doesn't mean Jamal's a bad player. He's a great safety when healthy. He is a great player when healthy. Sometimes trades just don't work out. You know, it's not always a fault thing. It's just stuff doesn't go. It's a lot to give up for him initially on the front end, but, you know, hard to predict these kind of injuries when he was so healthy with the Jets. Uh, Chance Signifu says, if Jamal Adams can stay on the field, he's a difference maker, and we'll have several TFLs in the run game, which we need on our team. It's never a bad thing to have an all-pro talent on our defense. Well said, Chance. Certainly, I've, I've heard a little bit of the, na the narrative shift with the Adams at this point of, is he really even that good of a player? Well, what does he really do? You know, He's a really good player. And when he's on the football field, he helps this team out. And if he can stay healthy, I think he will be helping this team out. He will be a net positive for this team and maybe in a, a in a very impactful fashion as he once was can't hard to predict one way or another for sure on that because we don't know where the leg is and where the injury is but if he can get to that place and get back out there i agree chance he's a guy that helps you in the running game he's a plus run defender and you put him in the right places in coverage he can be a plus guy in coverage too so he, he's still a good player he is just about where his health is and if he can bounce back to being the player he once you know he once was and that's, of course, where the, the medical staff stands on him. Herbicide, to be fair, a lot of people have been hurt sacking Russell Wilson. I think Clay Matthews once broke his jaw sacking Russell Wilson. Or maybe it was that was Carson, maybe. I think I always applied to Wilson. It was like, that was Carson. Ethan Tech World. Hey, Brandon, an idea for the draft stream extravaganza. I have the list of mutant Marvel prospects on the screen when the draft is going. I think it would be especially great to reference for us. I'm thinking about doing something like that. So what I was thinking I was going to do was have a, see if I could create like a little site or something for the time period of the draft and then have like my big board off the site some way. And then my big board could just kind of update auto as stuff got pulled off a little bit. Um, but I'm going to do something to that degree, Ethan. It's not going to be Brandon's big board or my, you know, my top picks that are available. You know, if we're, if we're looking at us up on as a, as a selection, I can bounce between here's the top, you know, my top running backs on the board right now. Here's the top safeties on the board right now. Here's the top this, you know, as we're kind of trying to figure out who's, who's an available, but I want to try to figure out how I can do it to maybe where I can update it as I go along. And then it just poses, but I'm thinking about that, Ethan. It's a great suggestion. So I will, uh, I will definitely apply something along those realms, along the realm of that. Hongwood says there's a lot of rumors Arizona likes Tyree Wilson. Arizona, please take Tyree Wilson. Please do that. <laughs> please, please. Hongwood says that Will Anderson won't fit as much if they go to the 4-3. That'd be wonderful if they took Tyree Wilson because they don't think Will Anderson can do the 4-3 stuff. So they 
That would be just, I'd love the, that'd be just, oh, pure cardinal thinking right there. I'm not, you're probably right, Hungwoo. So I'm not saying you're not right, but uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it would so be, it would be so purely wonderful if that was the reasoning process for passing on Anderson. You know, you know oh, his talent's amazing. It's great, but we want to go to more of our four, three looks. So we're going to go for the little bit lesser talented guy. Cause it's more, <laughs> see what I mean on that? It's like, oh, Lordy. Um, Mark Sanchez, thank you for the $5 donation. Mike Tannenbaum's mock draft was gross. It, 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 I threw up in my mouth and then I swallowed it down and then I re-threw back up again. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, I, I was not, a, I was not, mm-mm, mm-mm, not good. Not good draft. Uh, he has us taking Hendon Hooker at number five and Van Ness at number 20. What do you think about his mock? I think people were right to be as up in arms about it, Mark. I would have been as well. I am as a, not, I'm up in arms. I'm just, the thing that I don't understand about this is this guy's a former general manager. How do you arrive at Hendon Hooker being the number five overall pick in this draft? And maybe there's some inside knowledge he has that he's, he's connected to, that he's heard this through the grapevine, that this is, this is going, this is going down. But none of it adds up to me. You know, Hendon Hooker made pro throws in the Tennessee offense, but the Tennessee offense is not a pro-style offense. He's not going to be necessarily just ready to roll from the jump, and he's an older prospect, and he's coming off a torn ACL. I, I don't know why Mike got to that spot with that one there, Mark. It, it's like he forgot he tore his ACL or something. You know, I, I think it would be even a stretch if we're talking about Hendon Hooker of putting up the Heisman Trophy and, and, and coming off that season being put up into that high mark without the torn ACL. I think he'd be a first-round pick at that point, but we a top-five pick, 26, going on 27 years old? No, I don't think so. Um, so I, I, that one was kind of, to me, silly. Outside of him having insider knowledge, I thought that was silly, Mark. The Van Ness one at 20, I haven't been high on Van Ness. I've tried to go back and watch the tape of Van Ness to get high on him. You know, I, he's got power. He's going to be, he's going to be able to overwhelm tackles with his power at times at the pro level. He'll be a plus run defender at the pro level. Do I want him Mark standing up as an outside linebacker in a wide nine? Not really. I'd rather be having him with his hand in the dirt as a four, three defensive end. You know, I, we were just talking about another player a second ago there about, you know, or Will Anderson not being able to like, Van S standing up and coming off the edge. I mean, I'm sure he did some, I think a little bit of standing up there at Iowa, but I don't know for the next pro level, I'd see him being a stand-up guy. I'd much be seeing him as more of a put, put his hand in the dirt kind of guy. Um, I could be wrong on that a little bit. And I've with Van Ness, I've just struggled a little bit, Mark, to get really much of a full read on him as I, he, he's missing those things I talked about at the top. We went through, we went through Will McDonald, Nolan Smith, some of these other edge rushers. I'm a guy that does have built-in biases on positions that I look for and that I favor for in those positions. And I'll own those because from my standpoint, historically speaking, those, when you have those elements, those base elements to the position, you're set more fundamentally up for success. When you're working without them and they're, they're actually detriments to your game or limitations to your game, you're having to overcome and be so much more sensational in other aspects of things. And they're, you know, it's like a wide receiver that can't catch or run routes or a quarterback that doesn't have arm strength. And Mark, I have in a guy in Van Ness that doesn't really have that first step explosion or dip or bend. You know, he wants to stack and shed. He wants to, you know, everything's going to just try to 
put this guy up into the air and, and throw him to the side and then go make the tackle. And it, you can do that in college. I just don't think you're going to get away with the power stuff as much as the pro level. You're not going to overwhelm people as much with that power side of your game. Do you have then the dip and bend to go to or the quickness to go to? And he's missing those fundamental three things I look for in a pass rusher to, to kind of start with. So taking him 20 would seem to be appropriate value to the consensus board, Mark. But to my personal Brandon board, I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, uh, I'm not quite with it, but I'd be, I mean, if they took an NASA 20, I'd acknowledge I'd, I'm just missing something on that prospect. I wouldn't be like pissing all over the pick. You know, I, I would acknowledge it's like there was enough people that it liked this guy and really view him in a favorable light that I'm, there's just certain prospects I'm going to probably miss on and not have a good read on what they are and who they are and where they're going. He just maybe happens to be one of those guys for me, Mark. But Tannenbaum's mock was gross is the right way to put it. Megan, thank you for the $2 donation. I appreciate it, Megan. She says, can you please explain what a nose tackle is, B? Absolutely, Megan. So you've got, there, and there's some other definite places that can be aligned on the defensive line. But, you know, you've got, for all intents and purposes, let's call it really three defensive line positions that you're going to have more often than not. There's others that go outside this, but we're just talking about defensive linemen, defensive tackles specifically here, Megan, okay? So don't think about edges. Don't think about defensive ends. We're going to just talk about those big boys up front. If you have a nose tackle, uh, a nose tackle is going to be either, in my understanding of this, uh, a zero tech or a one tech, meaning that I'm going to have him aligned either as a one tech, which would be to the strong side of the formation aligned most of the time at that point between the guard and the center. So if you have the center, you have the you know right guard, it's, most plays go to the right side, Megan. So you'd have the right guard in the center between their shoulders. You would have an alignment of a nose tackle. That would be a one tech and a four, three defense. If you move to a three, four defense, Megan, you have a zero tech because your alignment of your defensive tackle, you only have really one pure defensive tackle in a three, four, one, really. I mean, the defensive ends are kind of halfway between tackles and defensive ends. But then that zero tech is over the top of the center. He's not shaded between shoulders. He's over the top of the center. And then he's operating from there. His job is to just kind of more take up space. He's not there doing any kind of real penetration. He's just holding up at the point of attack, basically. So the nose tackle can be to between those two places, um, depending on the type of defense that they're playing within, Megan. And then you have the three tech which is, you know, not a no, that's not a nose tackle. That's now your weak side guy that's usually aligned right over the left guard for most plays. It can change because you can flip the strong side of the formation, Megan, to where the normally the weak side is too. It all kind of depends on where you have the tight end and the strength of your formation aligned. But basically zero tech, one tech, one's halfway between two shoulders, the other's right over the top of the center. But they're both nose tackle. And it gets confusing because they the nose tackle means those two things, but those two things don't mean the same of each other. It's probably why it's a little confusing. AI says, I think Neil moves back to corner. Jackson, cornerback two and loves starting. Woolen, Diggs, love, Neil. Badass secondary. That is a badass secondary. I certainly think you're right about that, AI. At the very least, Neil's back into his dime corner role. The fourth corner in the dime package. They had some real luck with that package right before Adams went down a couple, a couple years ago. Like it was starting to really cook. Like they could run it out there even at times where offenses would go three wide and we'd run out with the dime. But we had Jamal and Ryan out there. Oof, it was working good. 
Uh, Mr. M says, uh, Hawks Nest, Zach Kern, Zach Kuntz. Uh, I did think about putting Zach on there as a freak. He was, he was a guy that I did consider with that. So um, he was there for a second, but I just didn't see it quite enough. And the problem with it is that with, um, let me get my thing up here. Sorry, I'm trying to get my notes up. The one problem I had with Zach was because he's playing for Old Dominion. I don't have a lot of tape to go off of with him. So it was hard to kind of, I didn't want to just be freakish because he's 6'7", 255, and runs a 4'5", 540. Um, but he would, 34-inch long arms. He's probably right there on the edge of it. 4'1", shuttle at his size is pretty nice. 1'5", 7", 10-yard split. So relatively quick off the line of scrimmage. Um, so I did like that, but I just couldn't find a lot of game film on him. That was my main issue with trying to, I wanted to, I don't want to call him a freak just off the physical stuff. I wanted to be able to see a little bit more on him as a player and couldn't find much online. Uh, with that, unfortunately. Mason Dales has just hopped onto the stream, so you maybe already answered this, but what is your dream pick at number five? Also, what do you think will most likely happen? I, my dream pick at number five would be that we take Jalen Carter and that he's got a clear enough character background with what Schneider's done that he feels good enough to make that selection. That's my, that's my dream pick. Um, if not that, then Will Anderson would probably be my second dream pick to walk away with because those are my two of my top players in this in this entire draft um as far as what do i think is most likely to happen at this point mason i think that we're they're most likely to trade back in this draft that is the way i see this thing going at this point is a backwards move um and and i don't know how substantial it's going to be it could be multiple trades in the first round but i think schneider's going to look to try to to, to load up a little bit on future draft capital, maybe to go make a run at a quarterback down the road um, if they're not going to pick one in this very draft. So I, my, I'm getting more and more leaning in the direction of saying this is a trade-back scenario, Mason. And then who we pick after the trade-back probably depends on where we land and, and how far back they got to go. Certainly kind of Cansey, Breezy. Um, those would be kind of two guys, I think, right out the gate you'd look at as go, okay, and those, that may be something that they, they jump on if they trade back just to deal with the defensive line, get it out of the way. But it could as well just be like a Nolan Smith they go for. Shock everybody. Eric Cotter says, talk about a center, please. I like Schmitz in the second round. Well, Eric, he's my uh, best He's my best center in this draft. And um, if he had tested better, Eric, he would be going in the first round like Linderbaum did last year as the de facto best center in the draft. That's usually where those guys do tend to go. I think it speaks to his film that the combine and the way he tested Eric are really going to be just kind of like skimming the surface of his pond as far as really dinging him very much as a prospect. When you turn it on and you look at what he does from the center position, he's one of the only unique centers in this draft to me that does it all. There, There's not a matter of him having some spot that he doesn't do or he doesn't take care of. Um, good in run game, good as a pass protector. He can move in space, even though he didn't test well. You see him move in space. You see him hitting the reach blocks. He absolutely fires out of his stance. He's going to be like one of those guys, if you watch him on the offensive line, one of the quickest guys off of his offensive line. Um, he's both adept in helping out in the double team game and also doing the the the, the, the combo blocks, right? Whereas a center, you first got to come off the line of scrimmage. Oh, you hit that guy right in the ribs. You give him a solid like, oh, just go, oh, oh. And then you got to move on quickly and get to the second level. Peel off that block, get to the second level, because then it's the right guard's job to then maintain that block. You've set him up. You've helped put the, the, the defensive lineman in the right spot for that guy to hold him up. But now you're on to the second level. And he is so smooth about boom, bah, 
right? I'll just boom, bah, right off that combo block, right onto the next block, and then driving that guy up the football field. Uh, just love uh, love that about him. He's got this, uh, my patented move for John Schmitz is uh, he's got a single forearm shiver when you watch his tape. He does this like single short forearm shiver thing into the defensive lineman, and he just rocks guys with it. It's like, isn't it, you're watching, he goes, is that illegal? I feel that's, is that, everybody knows he just elbowed that guy, but he's got this like one arm, just needs one arm to do it. Uh, and he's he's got all the pure instincts of the center like that. You know, he can be blocking kind of two guys at once and help blocking. He can slide in space. He can pick up blitzers. Um, there's just no element to what you want from a center, even down to can he take on a zero tech and hold up one-on-one. You know, he may not drive a guy real far off the ball, but he's going to at least get a, you know, he's at least going to get a draw, if not get him back a step or two. So I, I really love his upside here. He's my number one center in this draft, Eric. Kind of by far a little bit for me. I like Wilper as a number two in there. Tipman's kind of nice too. Uh, Alaswanga, I can't say his name, but the kid out of Michigan, certainly maybe the most purest fit schematically for us of the centers in this draft. But Schmitz is just the most impressive when you just do the pure turning on the tape. Don't give me the scores. Just turn on the tape and show me what you got as a player. He's, he's up to snuff. AI says, we need uh, two more picks. I've been running simulation drafts. It makes so much easier to draft with 12 or 13 picks, two or three more. I'm with it, AI. I'm with it. I would say if it's between getting more picks or getting more picks in the second-ish round of things, I would certainly like to go for more value than I would for, for maybe the total number here. But you could still find some players a little later on, I guess. I just, AI, I don't trust as much this draft from a depth of strength. There are some names later on that are there, but... Um, I'm not sure how really talented some of these guys are. I find myself in some of my scouting reports going, okay, this guy's this. I, I know what he is here at this point. You know, it's Texas A&M corner, Jalen Smith watching. There's like, okay, I, I, this, if we got a fifth, fifth round, fifth, sixth round grade, we move on. You, you'd feel okay about picking him, but you don't, you certainly don't chart him out to be anything special. Free True says, what do you think of Bush? I've not really heard much. Uh, he's a little bit, it's, I call it a petty stock kind of move for me, Free Truth. And I know it's petty stocks kind of hard to attribute to a guy you're paying three and a half million dollars for. But um, guys, as we see in this league, Free Truth, when they get drafted, their pedigree carries them and will carry you beyond even your first team and your first team stop, even if you don't necessarily light the world on fire at that first stop. And uh, indeed, um, in, indeed, that's a bit of the case here. Uh, when I look at this, sorry, I lost my lost deal there. Oh, uh, indeed, that's the case with him a little bit. I think we're still top top ten pick. NFL obviously really liked him. He's an undersized guy who theoretically, you know, if he was moving at the full speed he was when he was drafted, free truth, he could get anywhere on the football field. You could drop him into cover two looks where he's that middle linebacker who's got to get thirty yards up the football field, like we used to see from Bobby Wagner running step for step with slot receivers down the football field. He could be that kind of guy coming out in college, but he tore the ACL. I don't think that he's ever quite gotten to be as fast as he once was once he tore that ACL. Now, there's still a possibility that he recovers from it, and certainly the Seahawks are gambling right now that he is going to eventually maybe be able to bounce back from that, that it's he's starting to maybe round into shape based off of what they saw from the tape last year with him. He didn't have a bad year for them, but he's not yet had a good year for them either there in Pittsburgh through his first few years. 
So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, you know, buy low, hope for a high reward. It's also why you signed Bobby. And it's also a thing with him where now you got a little more, you have both the insurance here, free truth of you don't have to be driven to take a linebacker early on, say nothing of having to take two linebackers, middle linebackers early on. You don't have to rush back Jordan Brooks because you're, you're, you're dying on the vine at the position for a lack of talent. You've got a guy in there that can be functional until Jordan Brooks good to go. So you put that all together, it's a good move from that standpoint, providing that insurance for it. But I don't think that they're necessarily 100% counting on him being that guy yet. John of the Whale, I like Henley too. He's fantastic. He's my number one middle linebacker, I think, in this draft, even over Campbell. Even over the campaign. Joan of the Whale, hey, Brandon, your voice is cutting in and out. Uh, anyone else having that? My voice cutting in and out? Try to do maybe a refresh. See if anybody else in the chat's running into it. I haven't seen any other comments running into that. So it looks okay. And just to let you guys know, we got about probably 13 minutes or so. I'm going to get to the super chats here, but uh, we got a little bit of a shorter show tonight because I'm going with Brendan over at seven o'clock on my channel here. So we're going to be going off and right back on here. So if I, uh, if I break back and go back a little bit here, we might not get through all that. Like I said, though, I am going to be streaming on my Mariners channel on Thursday, opening night of the Mariners. So if you guys want to sub up or go over to that channel on Thursday night, we can certainly, if I miss your question tonight, we can jump into it at that point over there. Uh, Tony Borges Silva, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, what happened to Miles Murphy? I haven't heard much on him lately. He was projected to go top five. It's, uh, it's a case of, I think, a lot of these Clemson players, and I don't know have a reason for it, Tony. I wish I had a good reason. Um, but in, in the case of Breezy and Simpson and also Murphy, you have three guys that really had their better years in 2021. And 2022 was kind of to varying levels for all of those players, a little bit of a disappointment. So he's not coming off of his best film. And he's also coming into a draft, I think, Tony, where you have the guys like Ottawari and Will McDonald and some of these edges and defensive ends that are elevating themselves and looking better and better. And the people are getting more and more to their tape and it's getting them more excited than when you watch the Murphy tape and it's a little hit and miss. It's a little of the flash and then a little bit of nothing, so to speak, on the other side of it. And so he disappears too much this past year on tape. And so... You kind of put all that together, and, and, and when you look at the defensive ends in this draft, Tony, it's, to me it's like corner, defensive end, running back is the strength of the draft from a positional group standpoint. And so if you're that guy in that positional group that happens to be really strong, Tony, and you, you happen to not have necessarily had some tremendous offseason so far, um, you might dip a little bit. I still think at the end of the day he has a, a really good chance to go in the first round. Um, even though he's been kind of forgotten about a little bit, it's like Trent Simpson, who will probably still end up being a first-round pick when it's all said and done. They just kind of got slotted where they're slotted, where these other guys are more in a fluctuating state of, of stock rising and stock falling, mostly rising, uh, as the case in an Ottawari or a Derek Hall. Um, you know, a lot of these guys off the edge, you know, and it's it's just there's a ton of, uh, hell, let's, let's just go through, I mean, in my right now off the edge alone, through the first, through the first two rounds off the edge alone, here are my guys just 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 this alone. Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Will McDonald, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, 
Tuli Tulia Pulotu, Felix Anaduki Uzuma, Keon White, Derek Hall, BJ Ojolari, Zach Harrison. That's just the first two rounds. So from a numbers game standpoint, you know, some somebody's going to get caught in the wash a little bit with that a bit. And he might be that guy. Still, though, think even if he's not in the first round, Tony, he's going to be fringe. He'll be at the top of the second. No doubt about that. AI says, I'm a 54-year-old Gen X Hawk fan since the beginning, watching a seven-year-old. Watching as a seven-year-old, these are the best draft picks we've ever had. By far, my man. Well said. Well said. Uh, Megan says, the Hawks Nest, I will be having an IV coffee drip as due to time differences. I'll be awake for there and a half the days straight. Oh, for the days of the draft. I know it's going to be crazy, Megan. We're all going to be kind of sucking wind on those days. (laughs) We're all going to be sucking wind. Luckily, the draft will be so exciting with so many awesome picks that we'll be just running on adrenaline from from all the uh, daydreaming we're doing about the future dominance of this team. The dominance. Tommy Eden, you're right, man. There, this is a draft with a bunch of kind of tier two guys, but you can build. A, you can build. A championship with tier, tier two guys. Do you have enough of the tier one guys on the other side of it? I think we could, we possibly could here. From your DKs to Tyler's to Kenneth Walker's to Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, what you get off the edge, potentially if your safeties can kick in gear as they do. But it may be more of a strength by numbers thing. You know, we're better than the, the sum total. We're the better as the sum total of our parts or something. You know, some wise sages man said about that. Mark Abercorn says, hi, all, Brandon. Do you still think a center at 20 like and sub for this hard-working man? You know, Mark, it's a, it's a pick to me where if you're at 20, I think this draft is very, 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 very unpredictable in the first round especially. And I think a lot of teams can be led through the pathway of where you're going through this forest and you can't see your way through, you know, and the only light is you can, you can go take this for this other position here where the floor is really high. You know what you're going to get. There's not a lot of question mark to it. And you just pull the trigger on that, especially when it fits the need. And, and nobody likes to, to necessarily reach for need here, Mark. But when you land there at 20, you'd, you'd be looking through a lot of options where you we spoke about Breezy. Is he going to come back to his 2021 um, realm? How about just his other teammates? Samson, all that. We look at him, but is he going to get back there? Is this other guy? You can go down this list of guys at 20 that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have a little bit of questions with. You could take a Will McDonald at 20 and you're still going, well, we got to develop the hands. We got to develop this. But what you do get there, Mark, when you go with the center and you go with the Schmitz is you get the guy who's going to slide in there, start from day one and be a plus player for the position. I don't know if he'll ever be a star edge center or the best of the best, but he'll be a plus player at the position and he should get there pretty much from almost day one. And, and there, to me, there is value in taking that at 20, especially as hard as that is to find through the rest of this draft, and especially as hard as that is to find on the open market, as we found with the free agent class over the last couple of seasons, and not being able to land one. Yeah, Pedro Lombardi put him at five. I couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa. I was like, holy moly, how, how are you a general manager? Did you just throw a dart at that board to come up with that, you know? AI, hey, I've seen the video of Van Ness running over Skronsky too.
thing with that though is, is Skronsky's got those short arms. Van Ness got the long arms and the power. Like that's the kind of guy he can run over. You know, Skronsky's going to guard at the next level. But when there comes to be a guy that is his size with his length, is that power going to be able to sustain as much? Appreciate you, Megan. Nick Guzman's got Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, then Zay's JSN or Addison. Mozzie Smith Tippman or Wilper in the second round, my dream scenario. I like it, man. It's a good dream scenario, Nick. Nick, we could play multi. We could play Nolan at multiple positions if we do in text back, uh, which I'm down for. Wide receiver could still be addressed in the second pick. Yeah, Nolan could be a bit of a piece you move all over. He's fast enough. He's fast enough. AI a limping bush has to be better than a healthy Barton. Sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right, man. I should focus more on uh, right before. Uh, Hangu, I think we should focus more on right guard before center. Pete isn't going to start rookie centers anyway. Uh, maybe. Could be right about that. I hadn't thought about that much. You might be right. Ryan A. Wilson, yo, B, what it do? Draft A going to be nice. And with a squad that's already done in free agency, B-Wags is to me like Griffey coming back long before he did with the M's. Now tell me about some college linebackers. Well, that's uh, good to hear, man. Um, yes, I, and I've got about four minutes here, so I can't go too long on this, Brian, because we're going to be going off and going back on for the B&B show here. So we're just getting ready to sign off, folks. I'm going to be wrapping this up here in just a couple minutes. Um, yeah, I think the, the top four linebackers I like in this draft, Brian, that I think are certainly potential Seahawks targets are you got Trenton Simpson, who is a freak show, 6'3", runs like the wind, certainly has a little bit of questions about whether he's going to be able to be a pure middle linebacker going forward, but he's got everything from a physical size standpoint you'd look for the position, and he can rush the passer off the edge from time to time. So he can give you a little bit of that old school Adrian uh, or uh, Julian Peterson kind of mold from way back in the day. Uh, Dayon, Peter, Dayon Henley's my favorite guy, 6'1". think he's got a lot of kind of Levante David to his game. Another guy who's super fast, former safety convert to the position, who's also a good run stuffer with good length. Like him a lot. Jack Campbell is your blood and guts guy, right? He's your old Chicago Bear type linebacker, you know? Uh, some people say he's a Brian Urlacher type. I'd call him Brian Urlacher light. Um, nowhere near the coverage guy that Urlacher was at all, but certainly maybe the run defender Urlacher was. He's big. Uh, rugged, strong, stack and shed with the best of them. Uh, and then um, you've got Drew Sanders, who's a little bit like Trenton Simpson, and then he's can, he's done a lot of rushing off the edge. He's a little new to the middle linebacker position, but like, much like Trent Simpson, he is a little bit of the physical ideal you look for as well in the position. So, uh, yeah, good, good players there at the top, Brian, and I have a good feeling we might be looking at one of these guys. 
Uh, Seahawks Brendan Nelson, thank you for being a member of the channel for 18 months. He says, I'll see you in 15. Absolutely, man. And I'll get you that invite off soon. I've forgotten to send that to you, but I'll have that off to you shortly. I swear to God. I promise. Barry Soy Toro, thank you for the $20 donation. Barry, I really do appreciate it, brother, and I hope you're having a good night. He says, 28 hours. I think he meant 28 days. 22 hours and some change. This draft feels like Christmas was when I was a kid, hoping for some Star Wars figures or Transformers. Time feels like it has slowed down. Oh boy, does it ever. March March has taken forever. Ever. I agree, Barry. This month has by far been the longest of the year so far. It is just, just crawling. And there's got to be 31 days, isn't there? It has to be 31 days. You know April is going to kick it into gear. But we are, folks. We are inside of 30 days of one of the most monumental, one of the most important, one of the most impactful drafts in Seattle Seahawks history. Are you ready? Have you strapped yourself in? Have you done your scouting breakdowns? Because it's all riding on this. And it's going to be a wonderful draft, Barry. I'm glad to hear you're hyped up. And you know I'm the same way. It's going to be, it's, it's someone else saying, we've, he's never, as AI was saying, he's never had, we've never had this many picks before ever. And this, the franchise history being in this position. When he's watching 40 some years, you know, you're not going to be back in this position anytime soon. You got to savor that flavor. Savor that flavor. Trayson Givens, so excited to get Jalen Carter. It's possible. It's possible. Stoney, go Supersonics, man. Addicted to Hawks says, does Limping Bush sound like a great weird cocktail? Kind of does. I don't know. It's probably got a little bit of bite to it for some reason, I feel like. Casey McCracken, they don't have a quarterback, do they? Who's that? Who's that? All right. Well, Megan will get us finished off right here. Uh, will Valdez, Wilper would be a good, he's, good, he's my number two center. So if we land him, Will, I'd be perfectly fine for that. The gossip, we do need a Luke Keekley. God, if there's only a guy like that in the draft. There's only a guy like that. Uh, but thank you, Megan. She's going to finish us off right here. And then I'm going to be bending. What we're going to be doing here on this channel, folks, I'm going to be going offline. I'm going right back to online. So I'm going to be back in about 10 minutes here with Brendan Nelson on the BNB show. We're going to be turning over here the number five overall pick and the available options for our Seahawks, what we think the Seahawks are likely to do at this stage of the draft process and where things are starting to head a little bit. So I'm going to be right back here on the channel. I'm also going to be going live tomorrow on Thursday on my Mariner channel. It's called The Crow's Nest. Search it out on YouTube. I think it's 7 o'clock is when the baseball game starts on Thursday night. So come on over there if you guys want to still talk a little bit of football if you want to. I will be live throughout the course of the season over on the baseball channel quite a good amount. So even if you're not a baseball fan, come on in there. We can talk some football talk as well. It's not just restricted to just simply only baseball discussion. Megan, thank you for the $5 donations. Says, we'll be wearing the Zorn jersey of power on day one and the blue and green Largent jersey on day two and three. Well, you know the way I'm going, Megan. It's Largent all three days. I ain't going to break and I ain't going to, I ain't going to clean either. I'm just going to, I'm just going to lean into my funk because the funk is, the, the, the funk is lucky. The funk determines and dictates a successful draft. So I'll be sitting there just funky as hell for three days. You know, better have a bait. I'll be so funky. There might as well be bass in the background. 
Some will be bunked, but it's going to work. The power of the large in Jersey, the power of the zone Zorn Jersey, especially in combination, Megan, it's like the Power Rangers combined together with all their powers. It's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Uh, Megan with another $2 donation. And thank you for all the donos, Megan. You're awesome, as you always are. Uh, and so she says, you know what happens if Carter's taken at five? Indeed, I do. Indeed, I do. But it's a small price to pay. As Thanos, as Thanos Megan once had to throw his, his only child, his, one, his second first child off the cliff in order to get his magical infinity stone for me to get my infinity Carter stone, I will throw that Craig child off that cliff. I will make that call. And I will do so with a smile. And Craig will say, what did it cost? And I'll say, everything. All right, we're going to break this back over, folks. I'm going to be right back with you here now in just a couple minutes. So we'll be with you with Brendan Nelson on the BNB show here on the channel side. So get ready to come back on in here. Don't go anywhere or go anywhere, but come right back. Go to the bathroom, come right back. Whatever, you'll see it on your notifications. I appreciate you guys watching and I hope you don't forget, but just in case the next five minutes that you do forget before I got to come back and remind you again, just in case, just, just in case, I hope you all don't ever forget. I hope you all are excited. I hope you all are juiced for this draft that's coming up because it's going to be the draft of a lifetime, folks. We're going to come out of this draft with one hell of a kind of haul. A haul unlike the NFL has rarely seen in its history. So get ready. Get strapped in. Get ready to be excited. Get yourself partying like some of our other subscribers are talking about here in the chat. You should be partying. That barbecue should be cooking. Okay? Those drinks should be cold because it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. So don't forget, even in the five minutes till I get back, don't you ever forget. Go Hawks. <laughs>